For most of you who don't know, Matt just got back from a little tour. He went to Venezuela, Guatemala. They had a big blockchain event in Venezuela. So, very successful trip. A lot of exciting things going on in that part of the world using HBD and Hive. Yeah, we talk a little bit about that before we. Well, uh, I feel like we could do we could do a whole episode on that, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So a bit like, but maybe just a few of the highlights. Sure. Sure. Let me just set yeah, up this. I'm, uh... I'm, I'm a bloke. I'm a bloke. So let me just set up this CTT thread, and then we'll we'll address it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just a lot going on in that part of the world. It's very very active. That's the thing about um, Hive, you know, it may not seem like there's a lot going on sometimes, but there is, especially dependent on what part of the world you're in. People seem to think if the Twitter shows aren't talking about it, that, you know, it's useless or nobody using it. When it's really quite the opposite, it's almost as if if the Twitter shows are talking about it, no one's actually using it outside of speculation. And then here you have something, you know, HBD hive being used really almost and, and Matt's a good testament to this because he travels more than anybody I know he's just always like he literally did a video for LOP and I think he was in like Guatemala and he said hi LOP pay for HBD and then like two days later say like, hi again LOP I'm in Mexico so like, the guy's just constantly bouncing around and he'll tell you man hive is you know anywhere you go if you're if you're a part of the hive um community there's like just like a network. It's like you got friends there waiting for you, um, show you around, you know, help you out. And it just shows you how deep reaching Hive really is. Um, so, yeah, I just thought it was insightful of uh, all the activity going on in Hive in these various locations. Ah, I found it. Okay. Okay, I've got the, got the thread now going to put it in the discord of three speak under ctt chat guys go leave some comments get some upvotes yeah anyone making intelligent useful comments on that thread will be monetized so you'll be able to get rewards for posting and this is such a cool technology i feel like this is one of the the angles where hive's going to go it's it's very unique and different technology in my opinion this whole idea that you can thread live and you can get rewarded by people watching via an upvoting system is pretty cool. Um, and I think it's something that we should be pushing out more to different content creators around the world. Um, I saw Lord Butterfly had got a... Uh, he's trying to revive the, the open mic thing under a different name by the sounds of it. But he's got one of the content creators. He's got one of the content creators who we met at Las Vegas brief conference and she's a big deal like she's got a lot of good music out there and she's starting to use web3 so i'm like god that's going to happen that's going to happen we're going to have her performing live and people on a leo thread upvoting different different people who are commenting on the live performance you know um that is unique technology and i think it's going to be super powerful yeah especially with the speed of instant you can just instantly give value for value mm -hmm. Oh, welcome, Task. I see he appeared as speaker. Hey, Task. Ciao, guys. How's it going, man? 
I just put in the threadcast another HBD spaces. We're really racking them up this week. <laughs> yeah, it's been a hot topic this week. Yeah, Dan started a firestorm, and uh, so now he got me going, and I'll probably have three or four posts in a row about HBD. I had the first one this morning, so I'm going to take on the challenge that he set forth to put out there and start the discussion about uh, time vaults and APRs and some of that fun stuff. One other thing that um, interested me um, recently was in this whole discussion that's been going on on Twitter, People still aren't aware of time vaults, you know. There's still people that... Because I thought the conversation's been had, it's closed. We, 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 we've agreed as a community we're going to time vaults, you know. And the, and the reasons for that, the, why the, the reason why the bonding system could be very powerful. Um, I mean, we've been discussing it for years now, you know. And it's, but I don't think everyone Hive still quite uh, fully understands it. So it's interesting that there's such a wide, diverse view of uh, range of viewpoints on Hive that you, um, you've still got people that don't know about what's what's been discussed well one, one thing i uh will say to that and, and dan brought it up yesterday and yes we've discussed this for a number of years there's i've written a ton of articles we've had other discussions and done some spaces and ctt talked about it in the past but dan said something very interesting that even i wasn't aware of and he mentioned the conversations he didn't go into details but he mentioned that there was conversations about this at HiFest where there are some core devs and things like that. So I, I think there is a broken uh, level of communication here between some who are at HiFest and have talked to people like Block Trades and some of the other core developers and the rest of us who weren't at HiFest who are still under the mindset that this is maybe a little theoretical and not quite sure where it stands in the development process. So maybe that's something that has to be resolved to carry the message that, hey, this is where it is and, and these things are going forward. Yeah, I think the debate needs to be had around, because we already know it's technically possible to have lockups for a year or whatever number we have, right? That's arbitrary, you can input that. So the debate needs to be around what numbers those are, and then you can start at each level debating what the interest rate should be. Um, whether it can happen in this hard fork or the next hard fork, it's still in a very short-term time frame, And it's good because even if it was available today, we wouldn't be ready for it because we haven't game theorized this. We haven't really come together as a community and debated how long, how much. So we have some leeway here to really start opening up the debate for what matters. And that is, you know, let's start at a year. How much um, interest rate? How many different varieties do we want? Three, four, five different times of um, time folks, Or do we want to keep it simple and just build around a year? see how that goes, build out the bonding system. Um, so these are the debates that I think are more fruitful. And they need to be had, and they should be had. You know, they should be happening sooner and later. I, I agree. I, I just want to remind everyone that's listening, and we'll re-remind everyone again, anyone that wants to take part in making the thumbnail to the CTT podcast would be highly appreciated. We normally have a weekly competition going where if you create, if you create the thumbnail and it's good and it's you know, obviously – Remember, it's a podcast, so it needs to be a thumbnail that would be suitable for a podcast. 
Um, make sure the title's in there. I guess the show this week's going to be mostly about HBD. Um, so, yeah, relevant relevant thumbnails. If you can do them in um, landscape and square version, then we'll be upvoting the people that take part during the show and we'll try and pick the best one that we think is, is most fit and use it as our thumbnail for the show and obviously give you credit um, for doing that during the show. So please uh, please get involved. Uh, let's see some thumbnails. And even if, even if they're not relevant and they're just memes about the show, it's all good as well. Um, so let's get creative and put some put some interesting comments in interesting thumbnails for the show and we'll we'll be there upvoting them. I was gonna say quickly before you get too deep into technical details, if everyone who is in this uh live space on Twitter would I, I know we all want to participate in the threadcast and, and and generate value for ourselves in the chain. But if you can go into Twitter and leave a comment, retweet, leave an intelligible content or comment that is accessible to people who aren't well-versed in Hive, this really helps drive discovery so that other people can discover this content and get a discovery point and an access point to our blockchain and to all the wonderful applications that are built on it. Yeah, absolutely. A good point, Edwin. Yeah, please um, share this in your Twitter spaces, share this on your, your Twitter feeds as well. Uh, make comments underneath this Twitter thread. I see there's three comments on the thread already. Um, yeah, all, all... I thought that was a soundbite for a second. Yeah, it's a... just the voice. The voice. <laughs> that, that, voice will, that voice will get you. But yeah, definitely. Um, keep in mind, we don't have the uh, centralized marketing, right? This is all word of mouth, so... Um... Good thing about Hive is you're not asking anyone to buy anything, right? You're like, hey, come join this show. And if you leave a comment, you could actually earn something. So um, it's a value for value model. And again, if anyone wants to come into the show, we've got Task and Edwin speaking with us here. Um, But if anyone wants to come in and and say something about HBD and what they feel um, the model should be, I know there's a lot of passionate voices here. So we'll do our best to give everyone um, a voice. So just request to speak and we'll, we'll add you into the call. Um, all right. Well, I mean, I've got a few points that I want to touch on about HBD uh, and how I think that it could be expanded. Um, but I, I also appreciate there's like a, a, a kind of an understood, I think, collective communal understanding of what HBD is at the moment. Um, there's a kind of collective understanding of where we think we should be going with HBD. And it involves a very, very high APR to HPD. Uh, and Dan and I have always had our um, inflation rate on the witnesses set at 12%. Um, we think it should be lower than the 20%. But we, I also appreciate people like the 20%, right? And it's like we're kind of maybe dying on the hill. Um, but we think out of principle, we want to have the discussion around why we think 20% is a little bit too high. Um, how we think we can expand HBD in a different way um, and just take other people's points into account as well. I mean, there's, there's a very strong points for why 20% should be there, um, APR. And, and I agree with most of the points. I really sincerely do. I, you know, when it comes down to it, you're really just inflating by 1% a year because HBD is so small compared to Hive. So it doesn't really make much difference. Even if you had the inflation rate at 30, 40%, it still probably wouldn't make any difference. Um, but when I look at it from a principal point of view, I, I struggle to get there. Um, and then with the bonds coming in in the future, 
I feel like there's more of a reason to lower it. Um, and it just, yeah, so I just um, wanted to have the chat. I, I made a tweet the other day uh, talking well, about how we can well, get wait, it out. Just, well, let me just finish this. I just made a tweet the other day yeah. talking about how we could get more HBD out there. And then, and then it kind of snowballed into a massive conversation. So this is the, this is the thread cast and the, the Twitter spaces to address that, basically. Yeah, and um, just for me, I, I really want to avoid the whole debate around what the interest rate should be at the 3.5-day window. I think we all agree that the 3.5-day was just some random number pulled out on someone's butt. And, you know, the debate should really be looking forward, getting this code, seeing how long it's going to take, and really as a community pushing this into reality, the bond system. Because there's just too much there's just too much to theorize and get right in the bonding system to waste an ounce of energy debating uh, what you would call a temporary, not even a temporary stepping stone, um, something that is obviously being phased out. Um, so, you know, whatever the interest rate is at this moment, um, debating what that should be um, compared to what the bonding system should be, I think it's much more fruitful to talk about the bonding system. Yeah. Because that's what's you know, I, I, yes and no. I mean, I, I for me, there's there's definitely a clear misunderstanding in the community uh, based on the discussion I've had the last few days. It seems to me that the, the principle at which I want to approach this is that if you want a high APR, you've either got to lock in for a long time, or you've got to provide the speculation yourself and take the risk yourself. Um, if you want, if you want to put no skin in the game and have a three point five day lock plus the APR of twenty percent. In print, the principle is not. I don't know. It's just it's it's asking too much, in my opinion. And I think that if you want to put, you know, you want to show you want to put skin in the game and lock in for a long time, then the twenty percent in principle makes a bit more sense. But if you're just locking in for a short period of time and arguing that twenty percent's normal, I I don't think that's the case. And I think there's still a, a clear misunderstanding in the community on that. I think people feel somewhat entitled to this twenty percent. I'm like, yeah, okay, be, be entitled to it, but provide your own speculators and lock in for a longer time. I appreciate we haven't got the tool and the infrastructure to do that yet, but I, I, do, I also don't want the community to get lexadaisical and think that, well, this is just going to happen forever. We're going to be able to do a three-and-a-half-day lock-in and get 20% APR for the rest of eternity. That, and that's not the way it works. And I think there are some people who are expecting to get 30 or 40% based on a two-year lock-in, right? And it's like, that's it's just... We need to reset expectations here and re reevaluate. I think. Well, yeah, that's when, I mean, the simple question is, okay, if you want 20% on 3.5, what do you expect out of a year? Right, right. And then that's when it gets to, well, that's when that shines a spotlight on how that's unsustainable yeah. because then you'd have to give, what, 200%. Right. So th th that's what I mean. So it's like 3.5 days doesn't even make sense. Like it's not, like, it, you can't create a bonding system on it. And the whole idea, if you want Hive and HBD to go up and be more stable, that means you want more HBD locked up for as long as possible, right? And 3.5 days is not a long lockup. You can't build a bonding system on it. You really can't do anything with it. It's pretty useless. So, you know, I'd much rather be looking at ways to get Hive locked up for five years and have a bonding system that you can trade those bonds on the secondary mm -hmm. market. Now yep. we're talking. Now we're talking, you know, we're not talking about gaining 20%. We're talking about making the market cap of Hive go up, making the entire ecosystem more valuable, more sustainable. So, yeah, anybody who's 
saying, oh, we should have 20% for 3.5, just ask them what they think they should get for a year then. Right, right. And then I think the conversation kind of levels right. out. And yeah, I mean, I'd be interested to hear feedback from the rest of the people who are listeners and speakers on this specific point, just so we, we know as in the room that we're all kind of on the same page uh, in principle. Well, I agree with, with Dan, what he said. That at this point, and, and I, I, I get where you're coming from, Matt, and I'm not going to say you're wrong. The, the problem with standing on principle now is we don't have the technology. We don't have the options. And 20% right now at the level of HBD that is freely floating, especially outside the DHF, but even if you had 20% on the 30 million that's out there total, uh, I mean, that's still not a lot. But... With these other options, I think Dan is, is completely correct that we then get into a different discussion when there's different options. And yes, following the typical yield curve, if you want to hire APR, you commit to longer time. I mean, what you said is 100% accurate. So if you want to hire APR, you lock it in. What that APR has to be in my opinion, and, and this is kind of what I have a sense you're going to approach it at a little later in the call, so I won't steal the thunder based upon <laughs> the title, but I think we have to start to think about the APR in terms of, with these time vaults, what is it going to take to draw capital into these time vaults, mm -hmm. to draw capital in from the outside into the time vault. And if you're sitting there saying, okay, a one year is three and a half percent, just pulling a number out of my ass, three and a half percent. Well, is that going to draw capital in? And so we have to look at that, understanding that these are adjustable by the witnesses at any time. So it's not like it's locked in mm -hmm. forever. But if you want somebody to walk up with a boatload of money and put it in a 10 year time vault, you got to make that very attractive to them. So mm -hmm. this is where I think it changes that our money supply is not really predicated upon the interest rate like the central banks try to do. We have to understand that the interest rate serves a much different purpose. And my view is the interest rates with these time vaults have to be used in such a way to attract capital in from the mm -hmm. outside which then how that mechanism works, Matt, uh, I think you have some thunder with that a little yeah, later. So I, I agree. I think we can touch on the next stage of that conversation later. I, I appreciate the, the initial the initial thoughts. I, and I'm in, I'm essentially in alignment with what you're saying now as well. Um, let's uh, let's uh, yeah, before we do move on. There's an important caveat. Um, when people say when Tess, you say we don't have the option. We have the option to do that now. It's not something that's theoretical. It's literally just changing a number in the um, in the blockchain. We have to come to a community, a consensus on what that number can be. We can easily change the three point, just like we could change the APR. It's not some big code overhaul. Mm -hmm. So it's 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 something we can do now if we wanted to. But we have to uh -huh. have the discussion, and we have not been having the discussion on what that number should be. And okay, let me let me clarify, Dan. When I say we, I, I was talking we the users, we the people submitting the HPD, not uh, not the community. But yeah, thanks for the clarification. Then that adds even more urgency. Based mm. upon what you said, there's even more urgency to have these conversations now. If the time vaults 
indeed are not a difficult creation. Nope, just changed 3.5 to 365 days. That's, you know, but, or, or, or 90 days. Um, so <laughs> right now as a community, since we haven't done anything and the original coder, the original creator thought 3.5 was okay, that's, yep. what we, that's what we have. But since this is a decentralized blockchain, we, we have to speak up, get enough people to agree and push it into motion, just like we've done with everything else, right? So let's, uh, let's move to JZA here. He's had his hand up for a while. Uh, please try and keep it relevant to the initial principle that we're trying to get through the first round of chats here, which is basically, do we agree that 3.5 days is too short for 20%? Um, I think that one thing beyond that is that a lot of people, investors, already have plans and trying to fiddle with these numbers is a disservice for the community because people will automatically, or not automatically, but especially people that are not that technical with the discussion, the back and forth, they would just see it from afar saying, oh, these people are playing. These people have no, you know. They, they just flip and flop or, or, or like all these rules. So I don't really know what's going to happen with my money. So I'm, not, I'm just not going to invest anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a very prevalent rule on finance. And most of these banks are basically held by trust. And once you, you start feeling with trust, you have nothing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a, as a developer, yes, it's, easy. it's very easy to, you know, not really be concerned with the user actually a position switching things up but you remember when facebook switched their ui like for the first two or three months everybody was complaining because they switched the ui they just move on they actually settle but i think that finance is different mm -hmm. and a lot of people especially when they have alternatives you know it's, it's easy when you know you're the facebook of the whole social network world it's not that easy when you're the hive of the whole crypto so so, you know, so are you arguing to keep the 3.5 days in place and keep the 20 percent in place then i i think you shouldn't mess up anything on uh, until you have an actual plan for you know like everybody understands we're moving that way and eventually mm -hmm. and i would probably say a couple of years because that's mm -hmm. yeah I, I can feel that um, to, to me, as long as the discussion has been had and the understandings there with the community that this is happening, this is where it's moving, and that it's not an expectation that you're going to get three and a half days for twenty percent in for the rest of the time, I think that's. I think we're on the same page. Well, I think the people who have it locked up for three and a half days, right? If any change was to make, they get that three and a half days for twenty percent. But you can't ever guarantee a set percent for a set mm -hmm. time, like. I might like, let's say we have time locks at a year and they're offering 10%, just random, right? And I get into that. And then that next year, it might be 8%. I'm still getting my 10% because I locked it in when that was the deal on the table. But as times change, as volatility goes up and down, as inflation, whatever economic reasons, things fluctuate and you might not get that good of a deal or you might get a better deal. And that's just how the world works. It's, you know, you can't. Just say, you know, I'm going to guarantee a certain percentage. That's just, um, I mean, you don't that you don't get that anywhere. It's just not sustainable, and it's it's really would be an attack vector. It has to be fluctuating. But I but I think for the time you commit, 
when, when if, if you say, hey, I'm, if you lock it up for this amount of time, you're going to get this percent, that should never change. You should get what you, what you, commi- um, what you commit and what you were said you're going to get. But outside of that, you know, next time you go to lock in, it might be a right, different percentage. Right. And that's the free market. Take it or leave it. Um, Alex Rourke's asking to bring Addicted on the show. I'd like to invite Addicted if he wants to come on as well. I see him in the room. Uh, it'd be great to have your, um, your perspective on this. You're a smart man and very well experienced in the blockchain. So if you do want to come in, you're more than welcome and just make a request and we'll put you into the speakers. Um, I see Bit- Bitcoin Man has his hand up. Yep, yep. All right. So um, I just want to start off by saying there's a lot of interesting and good points here. And I sort of uh, agree a little bit with uh, JZA or whatever, because uh, from my standpoint, the longer that HBD has more or less maintained the peg and the longer that the numbers stayed the same, the more strong it looks. And although I agree, like... In comparison, it looks a little bit off, like, whoa, that's a little bit too much for such a short lock. And I agree, but in a sense, it also makes Hive stand out or HBD stand out. But the real deal is the sustainability of it. Like, the reason we, you guys trying to bring in, you're talking about the bond things and locking it up for longer because you guys want to increase the pressure and, and help the Hive price go up, right? So that's I get that. So it's, it's for me it's more so like we got to look at what's sustainable. Like if we can if this could be sustainable it makes sense. Like do we really need the, the extra locks? Well well to to me this is an interesting point because yeah, I mean the, the argument is there. The evidence is in that this is somewhat sustainable, right? It's it's a 1% inflation on on a small market cap stable coin. And I appreciate people's arguments on that. On the flip side I'm looking at the model and going, how do we limit the risk to the community, completely limit it as much as we can, and then use the bonding system so that people can take those bonds as collateral, get liquid loans, and then use those loans to speculate, receive a passive income for that as, with a relationship with their speculators. And now all of the risk of the high APR return is on those people who are using the bonds as collateral. What it means is it takes all the risk off the base layer and puts it onto the, onto the speculation layer with a re- robust, transparent collateral system that we have with these bonds. And then it's like, well, now we can lower the risk to the community by lowering the APR over time. Obviously, I'm not talking about doing this tomorrow. But now you've got a situation where you have a happy medium where the speculators get their risk, but they also get their higher returns on APRs, and that's passive. And the other people on the base layer who don't, shouldn't be exposed to that risk necessarily can have a low APR, but it's still competitive. But it doesn't have to be at 20%. It's like you could, you could probably make 35% if you're dealing with speculators on, on the collateral side, but you take more of the risk on. And so I'm kind of arguing for a layered... This technology allows us to have a layered risk system where if you want to take, get higher APR, you take on more risk, but don't put that risk on the other people. And so we can have lower APR for them and have a much more conservative, protected chain. Even if the 20% is sustainable, I still think that we should, we should err on the conservative side on the base layer. I don't know if anyone else wants to come in. I see Steve T's got his, uh, Steve Tross has got his hand up here. Welcome in. Yeah, I was going with Steve Chairman. Good morning. 
she's uh yeah, you get to see if you want to yep. jump in. I'm on the desktop, so I, I can't actually raise my hand. And I just want to throw something in, and it may be introducing a layer of complexity. But we're taking our HBD and using that resource to finance the development of infrastructure and tech. Uh, doing that on 3Speak, doing that with BSC. So in when you can, and then I'll jump down to listener. How will the techs, how, how will the technologies, and how will the public-facing inter, interfaces that are being built out through BSC and the improvements to 3Speak, you know, some of these various nodes and things that are being constructed, how will that give us an opportunity to increase the use, the throughput, the consumption, and, and the velocity of HBD? Because I think if we're, if we're talking about Talking about these, uh, the, the different layers or tiers of risk are good, but we've got these projects in motion, which are which are public-facing kind of um, edges where people can interact and interface with with the Hive ecosystem, and it seems like that's the vector. Seems like that's a, a primary vector to get HBD in motion, expand the HBD supply, and and any. Talk, talking about adjusting APRs, I think, without taking that into account, might be premature or might be missing what one of the biggest victor, vectors or pipelines for some of this energy may be. And I'll drop down to listener. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point as well. You know, the idea of using the APR to get the HBD out there. Um, I mean, some of it, some of it makes sense because it's like, yeah, I mean, there's just for holding HBR, you're going to get 20% more, and then you can go spend that into the economy. And as long as we're building interesting ways to spend it and useful ways to spend it that are practical, then it, it starts to make it useful and you get money velocity into the system, which is very, very powerful. Um, at the same time, the APR, uh, it's, to, to try and expand the market cap of HBD to reach the multi-billion dollar market cap that we want to compete with the other stable coins, is it's going to take 30 years. 30 years, right? And it's, it's like trying, I keep saying it's like tr trying to fill the beach with a bucket of sand. It's just going to take a long, long time. And maybe that's a sustainable way to do it. Um, maybe um, HBD isn't supposed to be this big. I'd like it to be this big, you know, for sure. Um, certainly the chicken comes before the egg in the, in the case of expanding HBD. We need a higher hive price in order to have a larger HBD market cap, um, which is good. It's a good thing. So then, well, maybe it's just we've got, to, we've got to work away. We've got to make these apps useful until the social side's such high money velocity that there becomes a very clear um, value layer, intrinsic value of the, of the high token that pushes the high price up over time. And, and now we can expand the HBD market. Um, I don't know. I've got other proposals as well to how to expand the HBD market. But yeah, certainly high APR and getting it out there for, for users to use is, is a good one. I'd certainly benefit. I don't have much HBD staked. Um, but if I did, I, there's coffee shops all around me where that will accept HBD. There's, um, I've just been to Guatemala with Alex Rourke and Bookcoins, and I've been to Venezuela. And you can almost basically live off HBD there. Um, you, because Lightning's in so many places and we've got the V for V app, you, I mean, I've, I've spent probably three or $400 on small meals and coffees over the last couple of weeks. Um, you can basically live off it now using V for V app. 
So yeah, maybe maybe that is a good reason to have a high APR on the on the HBD side to get it out there into people's hands and then get them showing that they're using the HBD in, in local shops. Taskmaster. Yeah, I um, I wanted to take a little bit of a, a different approach than what you just said, Matt. Um, not not discounting the social side at all, because I am a firm believer in the social side of of Hive and, and what it brings to the table. But I think we actually have a huge opportunity to focus on the HBD side and then drive the Hive side. Yeah, yeah. And just a couple of things off the top of my head. We're talking time vaults and, and Hive bonds. That's one. Second, what you were just referring to, the medium of exchange, payments, commerce, the ability to buy or pay for real goods and services with HBD. Three, collateral for VSC node operators. Four, liquidity pools. Five, lending platforms where assets are basically put up as collateral, whether it's Hive, whether it's Leo, whether it's whatever, Bitcoin, and the currency that's paid out in return is HBD. We just developed five um, opportunities there to necessitate an increase in demand for HBD. And if we focus on that, and if we keep driving more utility to HBD, then I think what you were saying about the price of Hive and again, I'm, I'm trying to tread very lightly so I don't steal the thunder, but the price of high, because of that direct correlation, is going to have to go up. More resource credits are required. And there's a few other things that have to be answered uh, in the equation of what thunder you're going to bring. <laughs> so that, that's where I think the focus is. If we focus on the utility of HBD and keep expanding that, the, the market cap of Hive cannot right, help but right. follow and we, we keep Let's keep messaging Mr. Lop. You know, let's keep sending him these messages with us using HBD. This is how we do it. And, uh, you know, having traveled to Venezuela, and it's, it was such a fantastic experience, and the Venezuelan community was so amazing, and I recommend anyone go there. They'll look after you like, like your gold does, you know. Um, and you can see that it's starting to come, especially in Sucre, where you've got something like 60 businesses now that accept HBD directly, and hundreds and hundreds more that accept lightning payments that you can just pay with V for V. That there's a very clear pattern to me where it's like we have this ability with Hive that no other blockchain has where we can inject capital into local economies. And those economies should be value-added services or value-added IRL things, right? Where people are generating value, the community sees it's generating value for the community. It's some service they're providing or something they're doing that's really cool, it's good for, the, good for Hive. People are going to vote for that. That injects capital into those small microcosms. And then as long as they've got local businesses nearby to them that accept either Lightning or direct HBD payments, we can demonstrate this economy. That's a circular economy. That's, that's flow, th flow through capital. And we have the ability to do this. We're very close to this on Hive. And I agree, there is a very good chance, having used it myself the last three or four weeks around South America, the HBD economy of spending, earning by blogging, by doing something valuable that, that is value-added, that people will vote for, that then distributes that currency. Now you can go right around the corner and spend it locally, buy a coffee, and document the whole process, right? That is very, very powerful stuff, and it could really drive the social side of Hive for sure.
Anything from you, Dan? I see Eric's been requested to speak for a while, and also Steve Trost. I haven't heard anything from those guys. I don't know if you guys want to say anything. Yeah, I was just waiting to see if Eric or Steve wanted to jump in. But if I agree that um, with the combination of Lightning Network, that's the whole thing. Bitcoin's done so much work for us, right? That's why you have to appreciate the work that um, Brian of London has been doing. We don't have to worry about if these centralized exchanges are going to list us or not. We can have peer-to-peer HBD to Lightning, essentially having a stable coin on the Lightning Network. And anywhere accepts Lightning, accepts HBD. Then you also have places that accept HBD directly. As Matt just said, Hive is amazing because it can literally brute force a network effect it can make things grow on the moon. Like it just, there's no hive here. Okay, right? Value for value model. Introduce yourself. Tell people what you're about. Now you're injecting the currency into a new economy. The merchants accept it. And as we're seeing it, seeing these little economies start to pop up. So very incredible. A lot of these other chains can't do this because the only way you can get hold of the currency is by mining it or trading it, which most people fail at, or DeFi, which most people get rugged on. So it's like these are the chains haven't quite figured this out yet. There's a separate portion of inflation to go to uh, to the community to distribute it to the other community members for doing valuable things. Um, and Hive has that, you know, it has it built in. Other, other chains are going to need hard forks to do that. And it, it really is powerful stuff. It's very, very powerful. And I see it being a major thing in the future. Um, Eric, uh, want to jump in? Hey, what's up, guys? What's up, uh, so... There are many other uh, stable coins out there, and yes, they are deficient or they are they have flaws, etc. But but all of these DeFi pools from since 2021, they've had uh, these yields where you just pair a stable coin to maybe another stable coin in another blockchain or with a native token or a utility token, you de-risk. Uh, or or your you 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 lower your uh, I forgot the word but 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 you lower your risk right so there are DeFi pools where you have a hundred percent APR for stable coins those are most likely Ponzi's there are others on Uniswap uh, that offer six percent for pooling your USDC. Uh, and so the point is, there are many options. There are many uh, competitors to to HBD, and we know the tech, and we know we are superior. But the other ninety nine point ninety nine percent of the crypto space, they don't know. They don't care. They won't do their own research. They will just see the yield, and they will see the charts and say, okay, so this stable coin it is indeed stable, so it's trustworthy. I don't care if there's a venture capital behind or I don't care if there's a centralized entity or, or a compliant entity, etc. So if we benchmark on the competition, I don't think 20% is too much. A lot of people will be like, oh, this is too much. This is a scam. Like like the the clown from a few months ago that rattled the whole hype community saying that HPT was a scam. But in the end, 20% we have proven is sustainable. We have proven 
it allows people to have liquidity to put to uh, inject HBD into the market to allow people to have liquids around to pay for stuff, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So we have a proven model. Uh, some some arguments say that okay, so these guys who are not taking any risk because HBD, we know it's stable, we know it's not going to collapse, so there's not really a risk on having a hundred thousand HBD or like the lazy uh, panda guy who's got a million dollars pulled in HBD and he can just could just uh, take it out in three point five days. Uh, are we approaching this because we don't want? the risk to be fully um, uh, carried by the Hive community and give 20% to someone who's not vested in the community, say all of these people who have all of the 7 million HPD that is staked or, or frozen for 3.5 days. Do we want to drop this number because, oh, it's not fair for these guys who hold, uh, to hold no risk and a 20% reward? Or do we want to change it because there's there's an economic or financial uh, background behind uh, driving this decision? If we want to lower the APR, you have said it before. I read it in the conversations uh, in, over the past two or three days. We could do the time vaults, yes. But I do not think that having a let's just say 3%, 6%, 10%, if you freeze your HBD for, let's just say, four months, uh, nobody's going to have HBD locked uh, that way because you can just go to Uniswap and get 10 12%. And it, in the end, it's just a stable. In the end, it's, it's just a crypto that it's pegged to one USD and people will not care if it's a centralized entity. If they are giving them... 12%, but, but, 15%, etc. Uh, can, can, can I just counter this? Because the, the question is, what are those other people with stablecoins doing with that money to generate the yield? Because they don't print the yield out of thin air. They're backed stablecoins. They, oh, yeah. they speculate with, the yield, with, their, with, their, with their capital, and that's what I'm asking us to do. I'm saying if you want, well, if you want a 40% return or a 20% return, you've got to put some capital at risk. I don't think the community should be made to pay that, is what I'm saying. But the the, the savings or the staking HBD model is, is flawed because the only thing that incentivizes is, okay, you can freeze this, but there's no way for the Hive community to say, okay, so Lazy Panda just, um, just, just, just froze a million HBD and that allows the DAO to use that million HBD to do something or to find a better yield than the 20% or, or, to, or to buy a package of stocks, whatever, what, what the banks do, uh, we, we, just for, uh, we just stake it. All of these pools, they provide liquidity and the yield comes not from inflation, not, not from uh, minting tokens. It just comes from fees. But we don't have fees. So are we really looking to incentivize this model or should we have a model where we are able to give a use case to all of these frozen HBD, for example, mm -hmm. and I'm not going to plug in uh, Cobb DeFi and all of that. If we create a DeFi pool where we have HBD pooled with Bitcoin, for example, and then 
the people who froze who, who freeze this HBD are providing a use case for Bitcoin people to come and say, okay, I want to buy a million HBD and there's a pool with $14 million, 7 million BTC and 7 million HBD. So now the lazy panda scenario doesn't happen anymore because you have a yep. big pool for someone to come and say, hey, I, I want $200,000 HBD right now. I don't want to pay slippage. I don't want to do anything else. And then you have fees and these fees feed into the HBD holders. And then you're not just using your inflation to pay for yes. the uh, for the 20%. You, you and I are saying exactly the same thing because what, what I'm trying to say is that we could, we could keep a relatively low community APR whilst allowing structures such as yours, you would be one of the speculators I would go to to park my HBD bonds and earn a passive income from and earn something more like 20, 30%. Um, but then you guys are doing the speculating, right? You guys have built that mechanism and it allows us to take the risk off the community and put the risk on you. That, that's, what should, that's what should happen, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's fine. We, we could even have a, an HBD USDC or USDT or, or whatever, or DAI or whatever, and just allow people to inflow from other blockchains to Hive because that's the main problem. And I talked with Dan a couple of days ago. The problem is that even if someone wanted to come and, and say, hey, I, I want $3 million worth of Hive, they cannot buy it. Yeah, they can. There, there's no way to buy Hive. They can. They can. On, 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 I don't want to touch on this too much now, but the internal market would allow them to do that. The internal conversion mechanism would allow them to do that. Yeah, yeah, but, but, but people do not care about the internal market. And it doesn't matter how many times we say it to people. Oh, yes, we have an internal market with, I don't know, $100,000 volume every day. Yes, but, but the DEXs and CoinGecko and CoinMarketCap and DBank, everyone else is saying that you have $10,000 volume per day. So people are not going to go into the intricacies and do their own research and all of that for a $140 million market cap. Uh, I'm blockchain. not saying that. We, I'm we, not saying that. We have to have there's that transparently. There's yeah, a separate yeah, mechanism. There's, there's the internal conversion mechanism that gives you as much HPD as you want whenever you want it. It's fully liquid. It's fully 100% infinite, infinite liquid. And I don't think many people realize yeah, this. Just... Yeah, you just have to burn right. the other token to, to you, receive so you the burn, other you, token. You yeah. basically state you lock Hive because that's why it's high. I like this mechanism because it, the APR is creating debt. But if, if, you, if you buy Hive first and then lock <laughs> it to get the equal amount, the dollar value of HBD, um, you're back in that HBD. It's actually backed. Um, and people haven't used this mechanism yet because for us small guys, like just converting ten ten thousand dollars or five thousand dollars in and losing five percent, and then you've got a, the, the time wait, it's a problem. But if you if you do this over a long period of time with a massive fund, it's actually really beneficial, and you get full unlimited liquidity to get as much HBD as you want. Um, and I don't think this is fully understood yet or, or, or built into the thinking of Hive. Yeah, and I don't know, the, the Hive users in general, myself, myself included, uh, we are very comfortable inside our uh, community. And since we have everything inside the community, we don't even care about going outside. Uh, and what I mean by this is, if it was up to me, I would get rid of all of the inside yield or the internal yield 
the 20%, I would drop it to zero and I would force all of the users, hey, if you want any kind of APR for holding HPD, go to this pool that we have on Uniswap, provide liquidity there, the volume will pay you that 20%, that 15%, whatever, and let's stop living inside our blockchain and go outside. God. Nobody knows about HPD because, or, or, or Hive or, or our rewards, our all of the projects we have, because since we have everything inside the Hive community, we don't take uh, uh, the initiative to go tell people outside. So I would get rid of everything I... that we have related to HPD and have a pool maybe Dan can 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 uh, chip in some uh, initial liquidity or three speak or the DAO or block trades whoever but the moment that we have 20 million dollars uh paired HBD with Bitcoin or with Ethereum etc and people can say oh I want to buy Hive and I can do it with one click on Uniswap uh, things will change. I, I think that's very interesting, you know, because I, I feel pretty harsh shame reduce the APR and a lot of people don't like it, but there's even people more extreme than me. <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm kind of, I want to lower the APR to an average of say 12%. Some, some put the bonding system in, some will be 6% return, some will be 12%, some will be 15% return. But then on top of that, I want people to be able to go to speculation systems such as yours with their bond and use it as a collateral to, to then go help speculators and that's the exact model i think and so there's there's some kind of yeah, compromise we are we are not and i'm just going to shut up after this because i've been taking the it's mic a good conversation man. we are not financial people yeah we are not financial people hivers do not know anything about the banking system the financial system the DeFi system the crypto system we don't know it and and we we proved it uh with uh cop DeFi. Two years ago, when it was new, before the DeFi collapsed, before the issues with the bridge, etc., etc., Cop DeFi was offering 30% APR. HBD was offering less, but it's easier for a high user to say, "Oh no, I don't want to deal with with wallets and with MetaMask and with DeFi. I'm just gonna pull it here, and I'm just gonna get my nice 50%, my nice 20, uh, 12%. I don't know how much was it back then, but." If I'm being blunt, we have to force the users to go outside. Otherwise, they will stay within Hive because we offer everything. So why would I go outside if I have everything here? It's like having a building with with a with a school, with with a company, with the with a gym, with a movie theater. But, why would I go out outside? Well, hold on, no. So, so I, 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 I agree, we should have bigger pools outside. Right? I fully agree with that, and I, I wish we'd work do a bit more work together to figure out how to create the liquidity to, to have bigger pools, so that anyone that looks at it can't say, "Oh, I can only get in with five hundred dollars at a time or whatever." But at the same time, I'm also pro using the internal conversion mechanism, which, in my opinion, is infinite liquidity. It's literally as much as you want, um, and. I, I don't think this is fully understood on Hive. Um, I think some people understand it. Some people are against using it for that. But the internal conversion mechanism is there, and it is as much HPD as you want. You can go to any hedge fund with millions and millions, billions of dollars, and say, hey, we can meet your demand right now, right here. Um, it's a massive liquidity pool. It's just 
as long as you just have to stake as much hive as you want in HBD, which is why it's a hive back dollar. It's just that no one uses it yet because we're all little guys. We're, we don't see it as attractive. But when you get to large scale, it becomes an attractive um, mechanism to get into HBD. Yeah, Uniswap manages, well, uh, there's a total volume in swaps of 12 billion right, per right, week. Right. The demand billion. is that. Like if we could just get 1% of that, the yield will, will, would pay itself. That 20%, that 30%, whatever, it would pay itself, I'm sure. But I mean, if it takes me a while to get used to another blockchain, to get used to swaps, to slippage, to blah, 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 uh, the average Hive user is not going to go there. If they well, can that's just what I'm saying. The average Hive user doesn't know about this. The average Hive user has not used the internal conversion mechanism, right? People don't use it. They, they, they don't realize that this mechanism is there to instantly get HBD. Well, there's a half and then a three and a half day wait. Um, and it's 5% fee, but you could do that in a way if you're a hedge fund that you could, you could lose the fee and actually make money. Um, but I, I don't think it's understood. I don't think it's understood. I, I, I want to pass it over to Steve Trust because he's had his hand up for a while here. Yeah, I was having trouble getting my microphone set up. Can you hear me okay? Yes, I can hear you well. Yep. <clears throat> so I made this comment uh, earlier on Twitter, but I think, you know, discussing what the interest rate should be um, may be the wrong question, that the parameter uh, perhaps should be, you know, how much uh, outside investment are we seeking? And then, <clears throat> you know, what interest rates, you know, do we need? Uh, does the market demand uh, in order uh, to incentivize that uh, much outside investment to come in? It's very good. It's a very good way of looking at it. <coughs> what would you propose, Steve? Steve Truss? Any any initial thoughts on that? Well, so I'm just saying, instead of parameterizing the percentage, uh, that we parameterize uh, total value locks uh, and maybe. You know, with some uh, time frames. You know, we want certain uh, certain amount locked for one year, a certain amount locked for two years, and so forth. <clears throat> and that those parameters are set by the witnesses. And then we have, <clears throat> excuse me, some sort of algorithmic uh, driven uh, auction mechanism uh, that uh, you know allows investors to to bid on whatever uh, interest rate. Uh, they're willing to take, uh, you know, in order to provide that uh, investment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's like the U.S. government when they do bond auctions. Basically, um, the, the the market sets that rate, and it's whoever's willing to pay the best rate to get in uh, for that tranche in that month. And so maybe there's yeah, I, I saw someone else mention this in the Twitter conversation that was going on. Um, I, I would I would agree that's a very interesting way to do it. I don't see why it wouldn't work. And it's certainly a tried and tested method because that's the way countries do it. Um. The only other comment that I wanted to make <clears throat> and then I'll get off here uh, was, you know, I made a, a comment on Twitter about perhaps we should be pegging to a, uh, a real USD rate uh, rather than uh, allowing the, the Fed to uh, control what we're pegged to. So that was a very interesting point. So the idea of pegging to $2020 instead of live dollars. Um, I, 
I think there's a maze of, of, of thinking to do behind that because I don't know what that does to the hive price. Does that because then you're going to have two dollar prices? You're going to have the HBD dollar price from 2020. You're going to have the hive price on current day dollars. And I don't know if that affects any of the internal mechanisms. I'd have to think about that. But certainly the idea of you know if if we can peg HBD to the live dollar, why can't we peg it to a stable item 20 years ago, right? Well, <laughs> we probably can. I'd, I don't know the answer to that yet, but it's a very interesting point. Anyone got any thoughts on that around the table? Well, I, we're, with this whole conversation, I'm thinking um, we're either going to have a bonding system or we won't. And if we do have a bonding system, that would require a way to trade those bonds. So they are liquid. So it is just like holding HBD. It'll have various fluctuating value, but it'd be very thin based on the expiration date. Um, and, you know, talking about, you know, I really, I like do like Eric's thinking in terms of how do we get the, um, a sustainable interest rates off of fees that doesn't come from inside, but comes from outside. And really it just sounds like the SIP. Um, I'm not really a fan of fragmented liquidity pools. I think that we know Bitcoin is our go-to. We don't need another coin. We don't need fiat. We need a way to be able to get large amounts of HBD in and out of Bitcoin without KYC. Lightning Network is inevitably the future. That's where it's all going on Bitcoin. So we should be building our liquidity pool from Lightning to HBD, one liquidity pool for HBD and Bitcoin, um, and getting it as big as possible and getting it so big, right, where that is the thickest liquidity. So it's the obvious route to go, have fees that go into a pool that can be voted on, go to stakeholders, infrastructure providers, whomever the, the stakeholders want to vote on. But now you're harnessing all the liquidity through one channel. And then you could take that a step further, create a Lightning Network HBD um, LP token on one of your smart contract layers like Ethereum and create your, your um, USDC you know, LP liquidity pools on those various uh, semi-dexes, um, whatever you want to call them. But I think that we should be focusing a way of liquidity through one channel that is community-owned where the fees are generated and pushed through a pool so it's attractive if you want large amounts of HBD and you have Bitcoin, you just go here. No KYC, no problem. Yep, absolutely. I see Taskmaster there with his uh, hand up. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Um yeah, it's a very interesting discussion. I, I think the problem, especially with what Eric was saying, all through this, you have to keep asking what's the counterparty risk? Because that's the ultimate problem with the banking system is we have a banking cartel that is a counterparty risk, whether it's your local bank, whether it's, you know, JP Morgan, Bear Stearns, there's counterparty risk all throughout the system. And the reason why, when I started writing about this stuff, taking HBD 
locking it up into the blockchain and then bonding it, hopefully at the blockchain level, at the layer one, that would be ideal because now the counterparty risk is the blockchain, is the decentralized blockchain. And I agree with this sentiment that Eric said and, and Dan expressed that ultimately we need these tentacles to stretch outward. The problem with what Eric proposed is now you introduce counterparty risk. And if that's your sole pool, you have counterparty risk. We know smart contracts have been hacked. We know smart contracts um, fail. We know that if you build on BSC, it's not a decentralized chain. So there is counterparty risk there. It may be minimal. Maybe people say, oh, it's not a, a big deal. But, he, you know, CZ has ordered the, the backing of the ch- backing up of the chain and, and doing some stuff. So we have to be careful of that. And this is why if we take a look at a HBD and savings leading to bonding, now the counterparty risk is at the base layer. Uh, it, it's on the blockchain layer which to me, now you're talking a decentralized blockchain, that's about as risk-free as you're going to get. Then what Dan was saying is absolutely true. You have a layer two exchange. You have many layer two exchanges if you want. It doesn't really matter. But you have exchanges where this stuff is swapped. Then it's freely floating based upon a number of variables the market will decide so all of a sudden the bond that uh you know let's say matt put in a a thousand hbd three months ago into a 12 month uh time vault he has the bond he wants to go sell it today that may be worth more than when he he made the transaction it may be worth less it depends on what the market is maybe a thousand uh is too high maybe a hundred is a lot more liquid uh so this is really what i think we have to to keep in mind and then the final thing i would say is we have to be very careful in this discussion just saying HBD and lumping it all together. The utility is different. It is an entirely different discussion around what Matt witnessed in Guatemala, in Sucre, in uh, at HiFest using HBD for coffee. That's a completely different discussion versus liquidity pools and accessing, in Dan's case, Bitcoin. Versus another one where we're talking collateralization and using high bonds and these things as collateral. These are all different discussions. And and I hear a lot of people saying, well, we'll just group it together and it's all about the interest rate. No, there, there's a lot of tentacles to this that we have to it's keep separate. in mind. Tass, can I, I just want to say, for me, you've just hit the nail on the head there, right? The, the second point you were making in regards to where, where do we put the counterparty risk, right? So I personally think and you've, you've expressed it in words, so I can express it in words back, right? Because I've been trying to get to this point. It's like, where is the counterparty risk placed on the community and to what extent? And then to what extent and where is the counterparty risk placed on other speculation opportunities? Like, a Nomad Soul wants to bring it so it's all on there and the zero on the community. I'd say that's a little bit too far. I think there's a balance to be found here. And that's that's the crux of this discussion, I think. It's... As a community, where do we agree to what extent is the counterparty risk put on the community as a decentralized blockchain? So there's no there's no counterparties that we're apart from the community. And then what, which limit, which APR threshold do we say, OK, past this threshold for this for this locking period, you want more than this APR. You've got to go to Eric. 
you got to go to this other guy over here that does speculation. You got to go to this other guy over here that does claim drops, right? And let let the risk, the, the additional risk that you're taking upon beyond which the community doesn't want to take, go on you guys, right? And that's the crux of this discussion, I think. Well, I, I think, again, you got to, it depends. And certainly what you're saying, there could be secondary markets, there could be people establishing pools out there that say, hey, if you're willing to accept our token, we're going to pay you an extra 10% above and beyond what you get on the blockchain. And that's fine. There's there's nothing wrong with that. Right, right. But see, it's time you move further out, you incur more counterparty risk. And that's what we want to encourage is as people start to develop these different financial products, you have the HBD in savings. That's base layer. You have a high bond. Well, now the, the risk of that bond, the value of the bond um, in trading in the market is going to fluctuate in price because it's a free, freely floating value based upon the exchange. Now, if you hold it duration your payout is guaranteed just like any bond. So it, it's a fixed income instrument in that regard. But if you want to trade it, you want to sell it, now your your risk is based on the market forces, not the blockchain. Then what happens if what Eric was saying, we have a liquidity pool on BSC. And let's say there's a million HBD in that liquidity pool. So there's a million HBD on the blockchain sitting in a wallet and a million BHBD were created on BSC. Well, now there's more counterparty risk from the derivatives, but people may be willing to take that on. Now, if you take those BHBDs and let's say somebody builds some bonds on there or something to that effect, or somebody goes to Ethereum or somebody goes to a Solana or somebody goes elsewhere. And as more of these financial products uh, take place, there's different counterparty risk incurred, which people have to accept. But then going back to what you experienced with Guatemala, or in Venezuela, when you're going and paying your coffee, what's your counterparty risk? Your counterparty risk is the mm -hmm. blockchain is going to run, and this is going to get from my wallet to, to whatever wallet I'm sending it to, and that's what you want. So that's why I just said a lot of this stuff is, is nuanced that you have to be very careful what you're There's talking about. You know, we're bouncing around a little bit here, but to come back to that experience of paying, right, there was one time the thing failed. One time, it was a time when I was using V for V and the Lightning Network node failed. So I was trying to pay and it was kept, it kept returning me the money. And I was like, what's going on here? And then eventually Brian Evans actually messaged me to say their Lightning node's failing. <laughs> so he's obviously got to build that notification into the system. But the point is that the HBD experience is far superior, far superior. It's, um, it, it doesn't fail. It doesn't just suddenly drop and return your funds, you know, um, and yesterday we were scanning it, and Dan and I were scanning, recording a video for Lop. Was it yesterday or the day before? I can't remember. But um, we were scanning this video, and it, the QR code scanned immediately, instantly, and it went straight through, and the thing cleared in like half a second. And it was like, what? Whereas if you're going through V4V on Lightning Network, it normally takes about four to 10 seconds to clear, and the Lightning Network node can fail. Um, it's just far superior on HBD. So, yeah, you're right. That side of HBD. And I'm very torn because I feel like, yeah, let's let's let the people who are staking HBD earn 20% and go spend that in shops, right? In, in using Lightning uh, Network with V for V or using Keychain Store or V for V on direct hive payments. And let's demonstrate this, right? Let's let's incent that. If nothing else, that's the, the value proposition for a, for a high APR to go let these people get free coffees basically and show it. Um, but 
at the same time, principle. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult because you're talking about two separate things. On the flip side, I'm like, where's the counterparty risk with the APR itself? And it's on the community. And I'm like, well, if we can lower that as much as practically possible um, as a community consensus, of course, and then let other people take risky bets and put the risk on those two parties. So they've got the counterparty risk. And now you can earn 30% APR on your HBD bonds, no problem, um, with very, very limited risk. And certainly zero, zero risk if on the I, community. If I could throw one more layer or nugget onto your discussion here, how about funding and investing? You said, you know, the 20% APR and let them go buy coffee or, or go spend it. What about funding and investing, which, of course, incurs not necessarily counterparty risk in terms of the, the money situation, but there is a risk in terms of the individual. But let's say Dan has a project and Dan wants to raise 150000 HBD and he comes to me and he says, listen, I got this. I'll pay you this. This is what I'm setting up, blah, 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 blah. It's going to cut. Well, can you go in for to make up a number? 50,000 HBD. I want to get three people involved in that. There's another, yeah. there's more utility. Uh, now, of course, I have to trust well, Dan. Now I'm you, taking right. a risk. The risk is on you. That's the beauty of this. Right. Yeah. Right. But the, the 50,000 does not change because that 50,000 is, it, it just goes from my wallet to Dan's wallet. So it's still out there. The blockchain is still on the other side of, of, of that, that, not that trade, but it's on the other side of that 50K HBD. But now I incurred myself different risk. So again, what, when you start looking at the building out of lending platforms, funding platforms, investment platforms, we haven't even talked about synthetic derivatives. What if we set up an exchange where people are buying derivatives of Apple or Tesla or Home Depot or, or whatever out there, derivatives of gold and, and silver and you name it, we could set all these synthetics up on an exchange. And so now you have people holding liquid HBD because Dan wants to gamble. You're holding HBD because you're going to buy some synthetic gold. I'm going to hold some HBD liquid because I'm going to buy synthetic uh, uh, Tesla. Then you have people in Venezuela, they're holding it because that's how they pay for their food and their medicine and all kinds of stuff. Then you have people locking it up in HBD uh, savings or, or time vaults. Then you have people in liquidity pools. This is where you add value to HBD. And my point is that value then gets pushed to Hive because there's going to be a crap load of HBD required and we're not going to get it from the interest. We're not going to get it from whatever interest rate you set. We're not going to get to these levels. Somebody's going to have to go out and buy a shitload of Hive, take it to and use the conversion mechanism to get a crap load of HBD if we build all this so, stuff. So before out. I get to this point, because this is a really interesting, this is like part two of this conversation. We have to talk about how we get the HBD out there, right? Um, so let, let's park it there. I want to. I do want to mention the things that you mentioned there to me are the things that justify high APRs. You can hold your bond. You can earn really great passive high APRs by taking a little bit of risk off the community and put it on those ecosystems that you just described, Task. And you can make fantastic returns. And it's transparent, and everyone can benefit from this. Um, it's also a good reason for the people, for certain big entities, to get into HBD as well because they're going to get get to hold the base of this and hold the bond system. Um, but let, 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 let's park that there. I just want, before we move on to that, we will move on to that shortly. I just want to go around and just make sure everyone's uh, up to speed. All the speakers have said that what they want to say uh, on this initial part. So Jay Zaday's got his hand up there. I don't know if you want to say anything, Jay Zaday. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, that was so, so long ago. Uh, I don't really know if I should talk about it. But I just want to make sure, sure that 
a lot of people right now on Bitcoin are not are not moving to it. out. I mean, a lot of people are scared of Lightning Network. They they found out huge security flaws and and yeah, a lot of people the original guys are really not trying to touch it. So I don't even know. You break, you're breaking up, bud. But um, I got, I got the gist of it that people are starting to freak out about errors in Lightning Network. I saw your question. Let me just read your question. Um, you say Lightning Network is not the future of BTC. I would say a lot of people are running away from it and realizing it's a huge mistake to bet on that. Um, yeah, I mean, me and Dan and I have always said, you know, like everything we see that goes successful on Lightning Network is KYC. Um, there's a lot of people that argue, oh, but we can still send Lightning, no KYC. It's like, yeah, but the second you need to scale, you need a business model, you need to register that business somewhere. Now you're in a registered jurisdiction. You've got to comply. And at a certain point, they're going to ask you to KYC. And it seems that that's the trend on, on Lightning because they can't incentivize their infrastructure. I asked a Bitcoin Max the other day, how, why don't you incentivize your Lightning node operators? Right? Why do you only incentivize your miners with inflation? And they don't know. They don't know the, they don't know the answer to it. It's like, uh, yeah. um. I, I, I couldn't catch well, the details I, of what Jay say, was saying, though. Sorry, sorry the, the, the signal broke up. But I'll say um, the future of Bitcoin Lightning Network is banks using it. Um, that way, the customers aren't going to be afraid to use it. It's a, it's, it's Swift 2.0, basically. Um, it's a neutral layer. Um, the base layer is going to have high fees. So, you know, you're going to have big agencies that are going to settle on that and then everyone all the masses will use lightning network i agree it will fail in a decentralized way in practice because no one's going to run their own node um everyone's going to trust a bank um lightning network node over you know jim bob's unincentivized rinkety node who will probably be deemed a criminal for running it anyway so, you know, the Lightning Network, if you look how Bitcoin is without attaching something like Hive, which is a layer one transaction for transactions, it's um, it's really built for banking. It's banking 2.0. Uh, yeah, another I, layer, basically. Another thing that I was going to say to Taskmaster is that uh, we, we kind of need to, like, understand who our customers are, who are the community, and maybe the more... I don't want to say the more important community, but at least the community that we all pretty much praise on, which is uh, people living in, in third world countries that are uh, using this revenue to sustain their livelihood. And I think that the 20% uh, APR or over 3.5 days is appealing to people that are basically... Uh, consuming as much as they can as they produce it because like like I said, they need to pay the bills and they might not be another source of revenue. So if you start putting locks and saying like, well, yeah, you can achieve this 20%, but in a year, you pretty much dismiss all these people that wanted to see some kind of like extra push on their earnings. You'd still get, you'd still get, the, liquid, you'd still get the liquid percentage out. While I don't agree it should be 20%, you'd still get the liquid percentage out. You wouldn't be locked when you receive it. So that people could still use it straight away. All right. Um, let's talk to... Well, I want to bring in Tunica here. Um, I don't think she'll talk about this, but I met a lot of very amazing people in Venezuela. Uh, we, have, we have a real powerful community over there. We're, we're very lucky that we have the Venezuelans on Hive. Um, and... One of the guys there, the Venezuelans think in a different way because 
they've had such a totalitarian government over the years. Um, I don't think we quite appreciate this in the West. I mean, we we have ever ever more totalitarian governments, but not like they've had in the, in, in the past. And so people go missing, you know. People can go missing. If if, if Hive blows up in Venezuela, it, it you know the people on Hive there right now they're playing a very fine game. They're they're, they're just blogging about normal things. It's nothing controversial, and they're doing really well. Um, but at a certain point, there's a chance this is going to clash with the government. So I mentioned it to them, and and a couple of the guys there were like, "Well, we've got ways of dealing with this, you know." And then it made me, you know, you realise that HBD is another way that you can help the governments, you know, so that they don't go to war with you. Um, the, there's no reason that the governments couldn't be involved in HBD as well and earn their cut of the pie um, from providing collateral systems. Um, and so there is a, there's a bargaining tool there with HBD, especially in places where it really means something. It's nice for us in the West to say, oh, let's just go against the governments, you know, or, you know. But, it, but when you're in countries like Venezuela, you can't, you, you can't do that. It's, it's real. It's real shit, right? This, <laughs> you can be taken. And, uh, and so there's, there's definitely like a more of a, an air of how do, we, how do we work with the governments there? How can we do something to, to help them um, so that they, they come to this compromise of freedom of social media account and freedom of speech, but at the same time, they're also able to earn money from the system too. And it seems to me that HBD is a great opportunity there to, to do something like that um, and demonstrate that governments can also win in this system. We can create win-win-win scenarios. But anyway, I don't think Sunika wants to talk about that, but I just wanted to mention that from a Venezuelan perspective, and that's where that type of thinking comes from. Um, so Sunika, any thoughts on HBD from yourself? Nice to see you on the show. And by the way, Sunika does a great job with the Zeely campaigns. I know you do a lot of the management there and a lot of the health. So it's always good to have you on, and you're a very, very much more active Hivian than I think most people appreciate. Hi, uh, thank you so much. Um, I, you're right, I didn't want to talk exactly about that, but I do have a thought about it. Here in Venezuela, we have something very weird that is called the Petro. It's a cryptocurrency owned by the government. Nobody uses it, nobody trusts it, but what it did was open the door for other coins to work here. Here in Venezuela, it is not illegal to use any cryptocurrency. In fact, you don't need to pay some taxes that you have to pay over coins like the dollar. So here is perfectly fine for the business to use any cryptocurrency just as they were to use fiat. So what we need here is most like bring the business, the builder trust, and that's all we need and what we have been doing here, what the community in Sucre does. So what I wanted to say, um, as I thought from the beginning, is that we have to start with the circular economy somewhere. So here in Venezuela, we already have some business. And at the beginning, there were just business where you have to buy there and then they exchange it to FIA to buy their, how would you call it, their, their products, their own, uh, what they sell, so the, yeah, their products. And then, right now, we already have businesses where a business can buy to another business. So the HBD doesn't leave uh, the chain so quickly. So we have to start from where we are giving those steps. We are a very nice like place to test because, as I said, the coins are not illegal here. Our government is pretty weird. We have a really messed up economy. But we are actually able to use HBD 
as a regular currency. I live only online, so I don't have like I don't earn in my my coin, my national coin. I don't have that. I also don't earn in in dollars. I only earn in cryptocurrency. It's something that is doable here. That is not the case, for example, for uh, Ecuador. So you might know about El Salvador mm -hmm. that made Bitcoin like the uh, legal currency, but then you have Ecuador where if you even talk about uh, cryptocurrency, you can go to jail. So we are like a very different, we are like in the middle. So we are completely free to use HBD. We just mm. need the business to... It's a wow. perfect, it's a perfect <laughs> test case. The other thing I think is really interesting that I noticed in Venezuela is everyone is using USDT on Binance. So you go to many, many uh, shops yeah. and you see the Binance email address and you can, so everyone's selling their Bolivars using Binance to buy USDT, holding that USDT as their stable value. And then when they want to spend, they just send it to the Binance email address via USDT on in, internally in Binance. There's no fees. So it's very similar to HBD, except, of course, there's a centralized exchange involved and there's no way for you to earn that USDT apart from selling, working for someone and selling your Bolivars. So it seems to me that there's a great opportunity for Hive there to find a way into Binance uh, using their, their, their APIs or find a way. I also believe that um, Bitfinex is popular over there. And I think Jose Pimpo has a contact that we can speak to where it would be cool if we could basically... Use a V for V type app, maybe V for V, maybe another app, where you can send your HBD to a Hiver's account. And then on the flip side, the Hiver's got their own Bitfinex account or their own Bit, uh, Binance account, and they make the payment in uh, USDT for you. And that would allow us then to easily spend Hive in the same way that we can do with uh, V for V. Um, uh, there's a massive market for that over there because once people realize they can do that, um, and they can blog to earn this stable coin and then make payments on Binance or make payments on Bitrex. Sorry, Bitfinex. Um, there's a, I don't know how many people in, in Venezuela use this method, but it's, it's tens, maybe hundreds of thousands of people are using this, right? Mm. You mean the, the Binance? Yeah. How many people yeah. use it? Yeah, well, a lot. Almost everyone. Yeah. yeah. Because a lot of businesses use it. You have a lot of uh, commercial channels where all the stores use Binance. So we are being forced to use cryptocurrency because we don't have uh, like the, the bills, the physical dollar, but we also cannot access banking with yeah. dollars. So our currency here, or the stable currency, is cryptocurrency. So, so, but yeah, a lot of people so if there was a way to pay in HBD, that would then clear your Binance payments on the Binance email. Mm -hmm. That would be pretty big because now you guys can walk around saying, yeah, we use the same method as you, except we yeah. earn this stuff from doing valuable stuff for the community instead of from having to spend sell our Bolivars. Um, very, very big opportunity. I, I, it was very prominent there, and I couldn't help but notice how, how widely used Binance and USDT stablecoin is. And I'm looking at going, that's exactly what HBD should be. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> so what... Another thing I wanted to say, oh no, do ask what you wanna? Yeah, no, no, go on, go on. Okay, so another thing I wanted to say is how many steps we have here in the education side. Okay, so we already have some business, some businesses, but we are working on capturing like young professionals into high 
to use Hive as a means of make the work, but also create here. We already have a university that is about technology. Technology. So we are like trying to capture the people we want to try to bring to Hive. We because we are we have noticed that when we try with old people here in Venezuela, they are not as open as young people is, but also the companies that are already working with crypto, they don't know about high or the HDD because most of them are completely centered on Bitcoin and Solana. So we're trying to capture the professionals so we have users and developers at the same time from the beginning uh, to raise them in Web3. So that is like what Venezuela is working on right now. Yeah, I mean, it's great to hear you as well, Tunica. When, you know, having seen you active in, in live in Venezuela and in the Hive community there, you know, when Tunica speaks, it's important. You know, like, the, the, you guys are doing real stuff over there. And I, I can't believe, until you see it with your own eyes, it's really hard to explain. But Hive in Venezuela is very powerful. Um, you, you know, it must have been about 60% of the, the population of the... The, the Caracas Blockchain Week Summit, right? So of all, all the blockchain stuff going on in Venezuela, about 60% of it is, there's this massive hive community and they really make the show. They really uh, are a very influential group. And when things get done there, they really get done. Like there's, there's legitimate projects happening. There's people like Enrique who are building amazing products there that can use hive uh, in Venezuela. And I, I just really look forward to seeing this all go forward, I do. I think that, you know, to prove the use case of, of HBD, if it's going to happen anywhere, it's almost certainly going to happen in Venezuela. So is there any, anything else to add? Do you, do you want to have any thoughts on this conversation of a, APR or um, HBD kind of monetary policy? Or are you just more focused on how you can get it spent, how you can build tools to spend it and teach people how to use it? Yeah, I'm, I'm way more focused on that side because I'm not uh, well versed on the technical side. But what I know about the 20% AP, APR is that I saw how you were defending it, for example, for people, like as Master said, for people like like us that use it, that we can have the 20% APR and then extend it. But actually, the people that really need the HDD to survive, is not as important the 20% APR as we, you might thought because we don't have the time to put the money on. Savings. So they get it and they spend it. For enough time for it to, act, to, to actually bring something. So I need to have uh, at least 2,000 for it to make a difference uh, or 1,000 for it to make a difference. So right now, so people use it, but it's not... It's not as important as finding ways to make it even more profitable and beneficial for the mm, Interesting. Because, yeah, we don't. Do, do, yeah. do, do, you, yeah. feel, do you feel like there's. Because um, one, of, one of my things is trying to figure out how to get people doing more added value activities, uh, like digital services or setting up a group of Hivians that do things for other Hivians, you know, or. Um, setting up a, an in real in real life activity or an event that people can get publicity around hive see to me that that's where you start getting value added stuff where people will vote for that more and then over time hopefully you can start to build a middle class of people because they're they're receiving more hive because they're doing value acti added activities and then as a result you build a middle class and now you've got more people that can distribute more hive um whereas like it seems to me at the moment that what's happening is 
whatever activities are being done, they're being voted, but people are immediately selling that into the market to get, well, they're spending it as much as they can. So there's no savings happening as such. Yeah. Yeah. Here, I think we are actually working here on those like impersonal activities. I think we as community in Venezuela have um, a fair lot of events this last year. A lot of people don't like them, but we need them. We need to start somewhere. And um, for 2024, we actually like got much together as a community. Well, you saw it because you were there. So we were many people from many countries. Many, many states, we got to talk and to like bring together the project. So for 2024, we can work more as a, as a unit in the whole mm. country, so we can bring more awareness. What highlights here is not like the high bars are not doing the events or in person, but we need what we need is more developers on our, on our reach, so we can like. Yeah resource to them when we have people here that ask questions that are related to development. So I think what is holding us back is that we need more more developers. We have a lot of people that know uh, a lot about the economics, that know about the social part of heights, but we are lacking enough developers not working, but uh, how to say, um, uh, available to it's resources. To have them talking with yeah, the project. Yeah. yeah, we need human resources. Yeah. It's, you know, it, 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 there's a symbiosis there because a lot of great services can be provided by Venezuela to the rest of the world. Um, yeah. But at the same time, there's only so much development you can do. I saw, uh, I worked with Enrique quite a lot while I was over in Venezuela and he was making small changes to things as we were testing them in the real world with businesses. He was making small changes to things. It was a really nice way of testing things because developers don't, they're not... They're not going to test everything, right? They're not the guys that are going to build the code and then go to the shops to spend. We've got to feed back to them. Um, but, of course, mm -hmm. it's, the, the more of those resources we can, we can uh, focus on to Venezuela, the, the quicker the, Venezuelan's going to, yeah. the Venezuelan community is going to develop. And uh, Yeah, I mean, I'm certainly in, pro, in favor of that. Resources are always tight, though. That's the problem. <laughs> it just is what it is. You've got to get yeah. people, you got to, well, that, that was well, why yeah. the hackathon was so important over there, because we, we bought in like 25 devs, yeah. and they're, they're now aware of Hive, the Venezuelan devs. So hopefully you can keep relationships with those guys, and they can actually go and build more more clever solutions for you guys. Um, I'm sure I'm sure you're Yeah, because we have, we have many companies that already talked to us, because they are interested in how Hive works. So we didn't have that like last year mm -hmm. because people were more like thought that they were more sketchy. But right now, even with the CC, now we see the CBW, the Caracas mm -hmm. Week, we have more. We focus more on the developer side, and we actually have many companies starting talking to us because they want to know more. They want to build here. So I think we are gonna like explode next year, 2024 and 2025. We are gonna have a massive growth when it becomes to, to actual use of the blockchain as a technology, and therefore the coin will be used yeah. as well, because people are building here, we are going to use the coin, so we're going to have to. I, I just, so just want to say, I, uh, we, I just yeah. want to say just on this point, and, and this is for other people who are running apps in the room who are listening, and people who listen to this call after, uh, 3Speak and Speak Network did a hackathon in Venezuela, and people like Sunika helped out, lots of people helped out to make it happen, we spoke that there was like a professional hackathon company there that worked with us to make it happen. 
And we got exposure to like 25 really good developers in Venezuela. It was the first Web3 hackathon there. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't cost us much in terms of prizes to give out, to incentivize these guys. We got them on the mm-hmm. stage. We took some photos. Local news media was interested and they got some exposure from that. You know, It was like a win, 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 win situation for everyone. And just a few thousand mm-hmm. dollars to, to incentivize prizes for hackathons can make that happen in Venezuela. And hopefully we can do a couple more of those over the next year and maybe even include other apps and, and, and obviously make their presence more known in, in Venezuela. And those apps can then get in touch with more Venezuelan devs. Um, and that's all, always yeah. going to be a useful um, relationship to have as, as, as time goes on. Working with the apps for me is like the next big step we have to do because Hive alone is not usable. What I mean is I cannot offer people to enter mm. to Hive and they, unless they are developers already that are working, they cannot access mm. Hive if I send them to Hive.io. They need to use the apps to get into Hive. Mm-hmm. So I think we need to work with the apps way more. We also can have the hackathons and workshops that are actually mm-hmm. focused on building something. So we can like teach, actually teach people to build here. And as you saw on the hackathon, people immediately look uh, to hide over all the other blockchains because it's way easier to build here. So we need more of mm-hmm. that kind of event. That's where the universities come into the game because we can actually do have like well, more participation mm. with the universities to educate them from the beginning. Well, it, 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 it's, so, in, it's in the university's interest <laughs> to be involved in those and to, to support, you know, provide the computer space maybe to, to have those events happen in Venezuela. I think it's good, it's good exposure for the universities, good for the developers, good for the apps, good for Hive. It's just good all around. Um, well, yeah, um, they have been I hadn't expected this conversation <laughs> to go down this route, but do keep keep me posted, keep the community posted on these ideas, and I'm I'm definitely down. I'm sure Dan is down to support some more of these things going forward next year. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank yeah. you guys for this space. Thank you, <laughs> thank you for your amazing work on Hive Venezuela and all you do, Tunica. Um, so I want to <laughs> I wanted to pass it over. Well, I want to move on to how to expand the market cap of Hive. Um, uh, sorry, of HBD, I should say. Um, there's, there's a method I think is useful. It was quite controversial the other day. Before I do that, I just want to pass around the room and just check to see. I, I saw Ruben with his hand up earlier, but his hand's now down. Um, there's another speaker called Kyla who hasn't said anything yet. Uh, so I don't know, Ruben, if you want to come in and speak. Yo. Can, can you yep. guys hear me? Ah, uh, Nice. Testing out my earbuds, so that's good. Yeah, man. Um, I just wanted to say uh, I really liked the discussion that I that I uh, was reading yesterday on Twitter about HPD, and um, I just wanted to touch down a little bit on, uh, on on the on the word incentives because APR is most most likely for most people an incentive to stock and lock uh, HPD. Um, but I did a, um, a case study about HPD uh, delegations, uh, you know, uh, a while back ago. And it got me thinking about uh, why don't we offer services on on Hive or any interface that's being built upon Hive and let people delegate some HPD from the rewards. Mm. So this way, if, if you have like a lock, uh, like a time time lock of a, a time fault, uh, maybe we can also think about delegating some rewards of the 
of the of the of the, of the time fault going directly to a project to fund the project, and people can use and get an, another incentive, and that is like getting, uh, um, well, uh, for example, in Leo in Leo uh, premium account, for example, and I think. Uh, we will uh, switch. Well, I mean, like we will shift the the way from uh, the mo the monetizing uh, APR aspect of um, of getting more HPD to getting real value uh, by using something that you really enjoy using. Yeah, I, I remember you wrote the blog, and it got massive acclaim on. I think it got like three hundred and fifty dollar upvotes and stuff, and everyone was commenting on it. This idea of Delegating, yeah. being able to delegate your HPD, or at least delegate the the APR from it. Um, I think it's a great yeah. idea. I, I, yeah. I haven't done enough thinking about the technicalities of it, how it would affect the chain. Um, but on principle, initially hearing this, I think it's it's a great point. And I don't know if anyone else around the table has got any points on it, or, or any. Have, have you heard of any people working on this at all, Ruben, or any progress on it? Uh, no, I, uh, I I did receive a lot of uh, good feedback about about the idea. Um, uh, it also got me more thinking about like, well, uh, it's also heavily depending on the APR, right? Mm -hmm. So right now, for, for example, we got a twenty percent APR on on the HPD, and let's say I want to earn uh, two thousand dollars by working for a project on Hive, for example, for, per month. It will basically mean that that's that my employee, uh, employer, sorry, uh, would need to delegate one hundred twenty thousand HD to me, right? Uh, because that that's the that will that's the way how it would work uh, for me getting two thousand uh, HD per month with the twenty percent APR, right? So if we think about time falls as well, and we're gonna lock in for one year or two years or three years or four years or five years, I think this can massively disrupt the, the, the work industry because there's an, an, an entire different way of paying your uh, employers, uh, employees, got them, I always switch those uh, up. <laughs> so I think um, with an, well, with something, uh, like this, we can uh, be pretty innovating and pretty disruptive. Man, I'm 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 super tired, man. I've been working an entire day. I uh, <laughs> I'm struggling with speaking. I uh... no, it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. Don't don't worry. It's 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 all good. Your point's taken, and I think it's a great point. Um, I, I'd just love to see some some core level uh, development on it. I see Taskmaster's got his hand up here for something to say on this. I think. Yeah, nice. Safety. <laughs> Safety well, investments. Well, what I just wanted to point out is, and, and Ursul in the Threadcast uh, threw out an idea too. And without commenting on any ideas in particular, pro or con, uh, because we can go down a lot of uh, rabbit holes with that, I think the, the main takeaway is when you have a product like this, and when you have a product like this that is very solid at the foundation, i.e. what we were talking about before, where the counterparty risk is almost eliminated, but at least minimized to the blockchain, then innovation can take place. And what Ruben is proposing, 
just like what Arasol proposed in the Threadcast, these things can be tried, they can be developed, they can be built on a second layer using HBD, going through an app, maybe incorporating some uh, ultimately BSC in the smart contracts to, again, uh, reduce maybe the counterparty risk of an application, and now you put in a smart contract. But that's where this thing gets really crazy is there are going there's going to be utility for HBD that we can't even fathom mm-hmm. because somebody sits there and says, you know what, I can take this, I can build this, I can couple with this, I can use this to pay these people, and I can get these people giving me money for this, and all of a sudden everything explodes. And now you got a use case you never That's thought really of. That's, That's a power. really good point. And, and actually, I hadn't thought of that. But yeah, Ruben, maybe you want to have a chat with VSC um, to see about being able to delegate your APR to someone else for your HBD. That, that could be a layer two thing, as far as I can tell. So oh, yeah. Even, yeah, 100%. You, you wouldn't even need to have a layer one change. And th- th- yeah, yeah, I mean, like... Th- oh, no, yeah, sorry, man. So the, what, what, uh, what Taskmaster is saying, like, the use, the use cases on HBD... They can be infinite. Uh, I, I've been thinking about Hive like for the last six years, almost, almost nonstop, and I, it all, I always, it, it always gets me thinking about like, well, Hive is a text-based blockchain, right? So why are we limiting ourselves mostly to social media platforms? Why don't we create newsletters? Why don't we create uh, encrypted? Why don't we use the encrypted memo key, for example, and create a WhatsApp or Discord? Mm-hmm. You know, all these all these things they should be possible yeah. on Hive, and 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 just imagine having a subscription model because everybody's paying subscriptions, like paying five dollars a fee uh, a month uh, a monthly fee uh, for a service, ten dollars. This doesn't even matter because, for example, here in Europe, uh, we, I think we pay like ten euros or twelve euros for Netflix or something. But um, if, we, if, we, if we take some other things into account that we can, can monetize for creators or, or a donation fund or do it local in third world uh, countries or countries where, where, we pay, where we would pay a dime for, for stuff, you know, then we also consider thinking about the resources the planet has to offer. And we're going to be a little bit more aware of what we use, how we use it and where we're going to use it from. So I, I think this is this can be very very interesting for Hive as well, because it's it is possible on Hive. I haven't seen any other blockchain yet that is that's capable of doing exactly this, like expanding and scaling like this. Nope, haven't seen it yet. Yeah, that's why we're here. That's why we're here, man. Um, I agree. You know, like the whole content side of this was uh, Trojan horse. I've I've seen the the creators write about it being a Trojan horse. Um, so it's like, yeah, there's loads of other use cases for Hive, Hive and HBD that aren't even explored yet, like Tas was saying, you know. Um, it's going to be very, very interesting to do it. The, the question is, is resources. Can we get the resources to build it? And this is where it comes to the hackathons. It's like, can we do high-value hackathons in places like Venezuela where we get like really good value for, for the spend that people make into there, and yet you've got the, the attention of 25 new developers now, and they're really good developers in Venezuela. And then can we do the same thing in Ghana, maybe? Can we do the same thing in Cuba? Um, and on and on and on it goes, you know. I think this is this is uh, this is where the, we get the resource for this from. Um, all right, Ruben. Um, one other thing. So before we move on to the the next topic, which is how to expand the HBD um, supply, um, Taskmaster asked a question, 
And maybe Tsunika, if you're still, is Tsunika still there? Taskmaster says, the big question, did Matt's Spanish improve after his tour of Latino countries? Well, you can, you can kill me or, or lift me up here if you want. It's up to you. <laughs> well, we, we could understand you. So people was able to talk to you. So, yeah, you have a, a good Spanish. <laughs> but you change languages when you drink. Ah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. Changing languages when you drink, it's just part of the part of the effect, I guess. <laughs> I like to think It was that... pretty funny. I have to say, on. one day it was pretty funny because he talked to me and he called me a whole phrase in three different languages. <laughs> he used Italian, Spanish and English in the, in the same phrase. Same phrase. phrase. you got to keep up. you got to keep up. <laughs> so, yeah. So... But yeah, you have a really good Spanish. Thank you very much. Thank you. I do try, but it's not always the best. All right, uh, let's move on here. Before we move on to the main subject, if anyone's listening that wants to create um, a thumbnail for this show, we're having a thumbnail competition. Uh, don't forget it's a podcast. Include CTT, include the title. Uh, it will just be something to do with HBD. And, um, yeah, we'll be rewarding people for submitting thumb thumbnails to, uh, to the competition for the, for the thumbnail of the show. Um, okay, so I'm going to move on to how to create more HBD. I see Addict is coming. It's good to see you here. Um, I guess before we do that, why don't we just hear from Addicted, if, you, if you're able to jump in and, and speak. Have you got any general comments on what's been discussed so far? If he's there. He's uh, connecting right now, uh, so he should, be, he should popping up. Uh, he's, he's on my screen, he's connected. Because I don't, I don't want to jump into this subject just yet without having heard from him, if we can help it. Uh, I think I think it, everything was muted uh, while he was connecting. So I think you should uh, repeat what you were saying. Yeah, he's a, he's a listener now. He's dropped. Oh, oh goddamn! Let's give him a couple of seconds. Any thoughts from anyone else while we wait for predicted? Oh, good. The um, getting a lot of developers in Venezuela. I like that part. Yeah, hackathons are a big, big deal. I think we should be doing a lot more. Um, all right. Well, we'll, we'll wait for predicted. I, I want to uh, let's move on to this next next subject. So, one of the things that I've always thought, you know, it's clear that having a high APR and trying to make more liquidity for HBD is it's a long game. It's going to take like thirty years uh, to get anywhere in the billions of dollars, and by by which time we'll be in the trillions of dollars of liquidity and other and other stable coins, no doubt. Um, so it's it's hard. It's 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 a, it's a hard one because um, while part of me is like, well, I don't want to put counterparty risk on the base layer. I'd like to minimise that and have a low APR. Um, part of me is like, well, I want to have a high APR to get a, a HBD out there. But then if we have too much of a high APR, we're putting too much risk on the base layer. And I feel that the bond mechanism is a way to take that risk off and put the risk onto speculators, which is the rightful thing to do, I think. And so you're protecting the community, but then that means that we have to step away from the idea that the APR is the way to distribute HBD and make it into a more liquid um, token. And then you start to think, well, how do you get it out there? And one of the things, I wasn't going to mention this publicly because I feel like there's a massive opportunity to make money for whoever does this. Um, but screw it. You can thank me. You can buy me a drink if you manage to do it, I guess. But the idea is, is that there is an internal conversion mechanism in, in, HB, in the Hive blockchain that allows you to put up Hive 
and create the equal amount of dollar value of HBD from that high, minus 5% with the three and, three and a half day wait, I believe. Um, so the question is, is well, well is, is it only a matter of time until someone finds a hedge fund or I really like what Steve Trost was saying with we auction off bonds. That would be a way to have a controlled in, inlet into, into Hive and create more HBD um, where, you know, you're selling off 50, 100, $200,000 worth of bonds each month. And it just, in, you know, slowly but surely increases the market cap of HBD in a, in a more controlled way. But at the moment, with the way it's set up, it, it feels to me like what could happen is that a hedge fund could... Yo, is it me or can anyone, no one else can uh, hear him? Where did, where did I cut off? Can you hear me? Testing, testing. Uh, I yeah. Know. Where did I cut off? Yep. Right at the um, people can buy at the three point five day. Yeah, you're getting so, so we, and, then, and then we I mentioned you know Steve Trust mechanism of having a controlled market for bonds. So there's a certain amount of HBD that comes in every month, and we we auction off the bonds that way. That'd be a nice controlled way to bring in um, capital into Hive and and expand the market cap of HBD. But as it stands right now. We're in a situation where a hedge fund could come in and market by Hive, push the price of Hive up. So let's say they, they bought a million dollars every day of Hive. Um, it would push the market cap up of Hive. And then each day they would transfer across and create HBD, locking that Hive and create the HBD. It would probably be a 5% fee, but they'd probably make more money off the, off the increase in price from buying a million dollars worth of Hive every day. Um, and what it means is that Hive's essentially unlimited. Uh, HBD, I should say, is essentially unlimited. It means that you can buy as much HBD as you want uh, right now today. Um, and I'm just kind of, you know, trying to think this way. And is there a deal that you can do with a hedge fund where if they make 20% more HBD than they put dollar value into the Hive blockchain, then you get 20% of that deal? Um, at the same time, I also recognize that it's, you know, for some people, it's a, it's an instability moment because the price could go up to thirty, forty dollars for Hive, and then come back down to twenty dollars or ten dollars, and start touching close to the haircut rule. Um, so I just thought it was an interesting way to create HBD. I, I don't really currently see any other way apart from the bond auctioning mechanism, but that's going to involve a lot of community effort and a lot of development work. I don't really see any other way to create HBD to a, to a, to a sufficient level that we're now competitive with other stable coins. Um, so yeah, I'm just putting that out there. Uh, be interested in people's thoughts. I see addicted's requested as well, so I'll add him as a speaker. So yeah, what are people's thoughts on that? Uh, I don't know if Dan or Taskmaster want to start it off. Yeah, it's the only way to get a lot of HPD that I can think of. You buy, you have Hive, which is an ever-expanding. Um, asset meaning you can buy as much of it as you need to convert to hbd so if you needed theoretically a billion dollars worth of hbd you can do it um so uh, you, you know if you're going to have if you're going to try to do it through interest rate like you know, just earning passive yield that's not going that's not the way to do it um, we also have a value for value model where you can earn it that way as well um but if any serious liquidity one to come in that the best way would be through hive yeah i see taskmaster's got his hand up yeah i mean i i want to echo what 
what Dan said, actually what, what you both said. And he, here's the key. When it comes to the money supply, th- this is the main point. We, we've spent this whole time talking about the interest mm-hmm. rate. And when it comes to the amount of HBD out there, it's an irrelevant discussion. Because, I mean, you could pay 75% HBD on $10 million. It's How long is it going to take you to get to a billion? It's going to take you 20 yeah. years. Um, so <clears throat> the point I think you bring up is very valuable and should really be driven home to people that the more utility we create for HVD in all these different forms, payments, funding, investing, everything we discuss, bonds, you name it, the more value that's going to drive to hive, the coin hive, simply because people who want to get in in any decent way to have us utilize these applications that are eventually built, a lot more hive is going to have to be converted. Somebody's going to have to do that, which then brings up the other question, how the hell do you get hive? And this may be going back to what a nomad Saul said, this going back to what Dan said, we need to have that entry point into the hive coin so then people can get into the ecosystem, hold hive, and then the value that's required by the community can be distributed where it well, wants. Whether it's on Hive or whether it's in the HBD, that'll be driven by the community needs. But the, 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 the principal mechanism I'm trying to talk about here is, are you saying that you should try to get Hive on, the, on some external liquidity pool and then use that Hive to convert to HBD on the internal mechanism so you've got as much HBD as you need? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, if you have somebody like, let's say, your example of a hedge fund, they want to get a million HBD, I mean, a million uh, HBD Mm -hmm. a day. Well, the only way they're going to get that is through converting high. Where do they get their high? So somehow you got it. You have to get liquidity to hive through some external mechanism. And then, yes, the internal conversion happens where then these people can take Hive to the Hive blockchain, convert it, and then it becomes uh, HBD if that's what the well, desire hold on, hold on, is. So let's say that their ultimate goal is to get $100 million worth of Hive, right? They don't need to care necessarily what happens to the Hive price. So you don't, you don't need liquidity in Hive to make that $100 million happen in HBD because... You need a hundred million in hive. Well, yeah, but at what price? Any any price is fine. You know, so you don't need liquidity as long as the price goes up to meet the amount of HBD they want. If you follow what I mean. No, I I appreciate that, but you you still need you some need liquidity some, right. out there. You need there. some, but the point is that you and I agree that if you had it on a, on various liquidity pools on different chains, it would be uh, preferable. But the point is today, even with the liquidity on Binance, you could buy. A lot of hive push the price up, but as long as you convert into HBD and you're getting the HBD that you want out of it, it doesn't really matter what happens to the price of hive. Obviously, as long as it doesn't. Except, except you just discounted uh, the United States and probably Canada because we can't use Binance. Yeah, sure. And I'm, I'm pro having other liquidity pools for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, but but you t- t- back to your main point without getting caught up on, on the little details. Absolutely, the fact that. Hive is a variable exchange mm-hmm. rate, 
meaning the price of hive in USD is going to fluctuate up and down, where if somebody's coming in with a certain amount of USD to get a certain amount right. of HBD, doesn't matter whether that's three hive or three right. million hive. They don't care because they're just they're just using hive as a vehicle yes. uh, currency to go from USD to HPD. Hive is the vehicle. That's the point. And then and then obviously there's other people that have fears that, th that this could cause a crash in the price of hive over time. But my I, I would say the most likely scenario is that if that started to happen, where you provide these products and other people want to get into HPD using hive as a mechanism, the price of hive would go up. Um, and it would come down at some point, but it, it would settle at a different level because you've just locked in $100 million into Hive. So there's obviously more value in the Hive ecosystem than there was before. Um, yeah, but don't don't forget, you just you just you just canceled out a lot of Hive because when you convert from Hive to HBD, that Hive effectively is removed from the circulating supply, mm -hmm. so you have less supply there. Yeah, theoretically, you move the value from eight Hive over to HBD. But we know markets don't operate based on theoretical. So yes, if somebody came in and bought a hundred million in hive and then converted that to HBD and that hive went away and we had a hundred million dollars less worth of hive, that would send the price yeah, of I mean, hive you, up you, on you real. You'd have you'd probably end up having three hundred million dollars more hive because you'd have less hive on the actual market, but the price of hive would go up to counter. Right. Yeah, agreed, agreed. I, I mean, that's where Hive and, and Dallas does some great reports, and we've already seen it in a minor degree. What? And, and I wrote about this. The difference between Ethereum and Hive is this. This is how the deflationary nature of Hive can kick off, and Hive actually can be a deflationary token. Even though there's inflation and printing of Hive, it can actually be deflationary if more Hive is converted into HBD. The difference is that's what Ethereum's doing. They say, this is great. We're deflationary. The problem is they're destroying the value. They're burning mm. it. You're we are it. not destroying it. We, we are not uh, uh, yeah. burning it. We are just transferring the value from Hive over to HBD and saying, this is where the market wants HBD. This is where the market wants the value for HBD. Where that's HBD is used to put into savings or, or a time vault, whether it's used by Dan to go gambling, right. whether it's used by the people of Venezuela to pay for goods and services, whether it's bonded out. That if the market decides, the community decides, we want to push the value to HBD, that's where it is. And the value's there. And that's the big difference. And then the fear, and here's what everybody talks about, the fear is that at some point that could go back and reverse course and all of a sudden you get a massive expansion of Hive. And that's where, A, the security mechanisms come in, like the haircut rule and stuff. But, B, I think a, more, a, a better source of resiliency is by creating have a ton right. of utility for HPE right. and a ton of different use cases where most people, I mean, the Venezuelans aren't going to take HBDE out of their wallet and go convert it back to Hive if they're using it to pay goods yeah. and services. If Dan's if Dan's getting into a Sunday afternoon uh, gambling a uh, poker match and it's you know five thousand dollars to buy in, he's not going to convert that five thousand HBD back to to Hive. He's going to keep it in his wallet because every Sunday he wants to play some poker. And that's the big difference is you start to focus on HBD and build this utility. Then all of a sudden, when it's all spread out and it's on these different chains and different use cases, you have resiliency because the HBD, most of it is not going back 
into so, so I, I, the I point. feel like, yeah, I completely agree with that. I, I feel like one of the, the cruxes that we're having at the moment is we, we're in our minds and hive, maybe I'm completely wrong here, but it feels like we're waiting for the bond system to be built and ready so that we can use that to build these other utilities for HBD. Whereas my argument is we shouldn't be waiting for the bond thing to be ready. We should just go ahead and build layer two uses for HBD straight away, such as collateralization of HBD bonds. Even though those bonds don't exist right now, we could come up with some manual way of doing it, at least to test it, at least to have it there. Because ultimately, the expansion of HBD isn't going to happen because I do some deal with a hedge fund. That's going to be really hard to do. It's going to happen because some hedge fund looks at HBD and goes, holy shit, I can make loads of money off this because there's loads of utility cases here. I want to buy in now, right? And, and, but we just don't have those utilities built yet. Well, I, I would agree with you. I would say you, you, you mentioned the bonds, which are contingent upon time vaults, as Dan pointed out. But what Ruben was talking about, that's mm -hmm. something. How about a lending platform? You could have a layer two lending platform that is is designed using smart contracts. And okay, again, we may be limited right now until let's say VSC, just as mm -hmm. an example, gets up and running and gets their mainnet going. But these are things that people can start building out and can start to think about. Um, yeah, I would say that waiting for high bonds is just one piece of the mm. puzzle. We should be looking at all pieces of the puzzle. Right. And everybody, every project should be looking, in my opinion, if you are on Hive, if you're tied to Hive, you should be looking at incorporating HBD into your system somehow, whether it's for payment, whether it's a, whatever you're doing, you should figure out some way to incorporate it in because the more we do that, again, that gets back to the resiliency and you keep talking about the risk to the chain. To me, that lowers yes. the risk when yes. you have all these different I use completely cases. agree. That's the whole thing. The whole ecosystem is backed on social interactions, ultimately. Um, completely agree. Is, is there anyone else that wants to have a chunk on this and a, a go at this? Uh, I know Addictus has some interesting things to say over the last few days. I'd be interested to hear you if you want to come in. Uh, anyone else want to have a bite of this? I see Kyla. Is this thing on? Yeah. Oh, Yo, sweet. How's it going? Pretty good. I mean, our conversation was obviously pretty intense, like, <laughs> <laughs> earlier today. We're just, like, yelling at each other, but it's like, whatever, you know? Yeah, I, 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 but, I, don't, uh... I don't think um, it was, like, to me, it's Twitter. Twitter just, it's just the way Twitter is. It sounds yeah, bad. It, Twitter is toxic. It That's why I wanted head. to have the space, because, like... like, we can actually have a chat, and it's got the nuances in the chat, you know? Um, so I, yeah. I, I, I agree with a lot, a lot of what Tass saying. I think the community generally agrees that, Three and a half days for a for a high APR is is not pr in principle right, uh, and as we go forwards, we're going to have the tools to, to to adjust that and fix it. Um, I'd be interested in your thoughts on that, and uh, like obviously we've had some clashing discussions, but I think ultimately we come to, we're probably going to come to an agreement at some point. Right, uh, I, I wrote down a couple of things that I wanted to talk about. Like the idea of a bond is really old, you mm -hmm. know, it's like you know hundreds hundreds of years old. And um, I think we're kind of locking ourselves into this old idea that we don't really have to be locked into. Like we could be thinking outside the box mm -hmm. more. Like it would be possible, like back in the day before the internet, um, it wasn't possible to pay out yields on a bond without, you know, returning all the money at the same time or whatever. And now we can just like pay out yield online, mm -hmm. you know? So like, it's it's just a completely different system. And there's like, the, there's a sweet spot where we need these, things to be and i think um you know i'm really open to a free market like kind of auction mm -hmm. thing that sets the uh the interest rates the stuff i agree yeah but um 
let's see. I mean, it's it's just a loan. It's like, what do we, what does Hive need to issue a loan for? Like, what do we, you know, if, if you're a government, like hundreds of years ago, you might issue bonds to start a war, which means you're going to try to profit off of the spoils of war or whatever. And then if you're a corporation, you issue a bond to like, you know, invest it in something else and make money. Like how are, how is Hive making money off of these bonds? Cause it's, it's different because a government is centralized and a corporation is centralized, but uh, Hive bonds would be decentralized. It would just make the number go up. It would make the Hive price go up, which means that anyone could dump Hive on the market and basically extract that value for themselves. Mm -hmm. So we have to hope that it's going to build value. Like mm -hmm. we, there's no centralized leadership, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, no one's getting paid. Right. The, the community is getting paid. Can, can I take this one back? Sure. Um, I think where the confusion comes in and, and I use the term bond because that's what people can identify with. If we want to use a crypto term, let's call it a token. The, the problem is, is when somebody creates a bond, they're creating debt. With HBD, the debt's already been created. If, if Matt takes 100 HBD and puts it in a time vault, the debt to the ecosystem is already there. So by, by another token showing up, we are not creating more debt because the debt's already created once the HBD is there. This is actually a move to liquidity where the HBD is locked up and now this bond, this other token Matt has in his wallet and he can go to exchanges and trade it. So now he has liquidity on his 100 uh, or whatever the hell I just said, his 100 HBD that is locked up for a year. He potentially has liquidity. He may not exercise it, but he has the ability to go to the open market and exercise that, uh, that liquidity. I've got a question for you, for you both. Do, do you guys see HBD created by APR distribution and HBD that's created by staking or burning or locking HB uh, Hive to get HBD is the same thing. I mean, it's the same token, but in my view, one's a debt-backed instrument and one's a backed instrument. Say that again, Matt. Yeah. I, I didn't follow the yeah. question. So, so if you're creating HBD by APR, I personally believe that's a, it's due back. It's due back to the community. So the community could convert it and you have to in increase the supply of HBD. That's, sorry, increase the supply of Hive, right? Now, if you're using Hive to lock and then create HBD, that's a different creation mechanism for HBD. It's pre-backed, basically. So I, I guess what I'm saying is a APR Hive seems to be unbacked and it's backed by a future promise. Whereas... HBD created by the conversion mechanism is pre-backed because you have to put Hive in to, to back it. And so I see that as a better way of creation of HBD. Have I, have I... Well, in, in both instances, the HBD created is still a lean against Hive, the coins. So whether Hive was used to create the HBD or more HBD was created through basically inflation through through your interest or even through through payouts. Uh, they're they're all still in the same pool of liens against Hive against the market cap of Hive. And I see where your logic is, but that that falls by the wayside if if the price of Hive uh, goes down, and now that that HBD that was created actually 
creates more is entitled to more hive than what they put yeah. in. So that's why it's still a liability. That's why it's a debt instrument and it still is a, a, a liability but, against. But against I still hive. see that as a better way to do it though, because you're going to, you're going to push the price of hive up first in order to get into the hive in the first place. Um, so it feels to me like you're, you're paying it forward by pushing the price of hive up to get the, the HBD rather than getting the HBD by inflation. And then um, ultimately I, I agree if the price of hive does go down, what you're saying is correct, but it's like you pre backing it. It's, it's a, it's a safer way to do it. In my opinion, it's, it, it's more credible. Well, if you're dealing in numbers, which I think then you're getting into a, a theoretical discussion that really doesn't matter because you're right. If you're dealing with any big numbers, th that's the only way you can go anyway, as we've already discussed. But to your logic, if I get a thousand uh, HBD through uh, the interest and I go convert a thousand dollars worth of hive into a thousand HBD, it's still going to be not because my thousand dollars worth of hive isn't going to push the high price up. So again, I mean, you're talking big numbers. And then as we discussed, big numbers, the only way you're getting big numbers of HBD is through the conversion. You're not getting it through mm -hmm. any other mechanism. So I, I think now you're dealing into the theoretical, which is, is good in terms of your game theory. But in reality, if somebody wanted to get, you know, 5 million HB, 5 million HBD, bring $5 million to the table, the conversion mechanism yep. is the only way they're going. Yeah. Uh, I have a question. Like, is a longer, like, time lock more, really more sustainable? Like, isn't, isn't that just delayed? Like, it's like government stuff, you know? It's like, oh, the government, we'll just deal with that later. Like, you know, all these debt programs that were supposed to be temporary that just became permanent, like Social Security and stuff like that it's like we're just delaying it for another day right it's like a five-year bond is not more sustainable than a 10-year bond or a one-year bond or a zero second bond it's, like, it's an interesting question i mean the way i see it is i want you locked in next to me <laughs> un unable to escape and i think there's value in that um so i, I think like taking you you stepping in and saying i'm, I'm willing to stay next to you for five years it, it justifies a higher APR well, than if you if you step in and say I'm only willing to stay yeah. for three days. What about what about just permanently locked bonds? Like just lock them well, up I th permanently. I, th I think there has to be a limit because if you have permanently locked bonds, you have to have an infinite APR. Um, you, you, the community's got to come to a place where it says, okay, this is where we're stopping. We're not going to give any more APR than this. And then what what bond is appropriate uh, proportionate to that? I mean, even 20% is good for a permanently locked bond because you double your money in four years. Yeah, but I, I would want the I would want the, the witnesses to have the ability or the, or the market, if we do a bond auction, to have the ability to bring that back in. Yeah, I like the idea of creating elasticity and, you know, doing it during times of mm -hmm. need. I, I think that this whole bond system can make Hive less volatile, which would be super yeah. useful. I agree with that. I think I think yeah, the, the, but the 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 principle has to be that there needs to be a way for the community to say, okay, this is where we're stopping. You know, we're gonna we're gonna do a two-year bond maximum. That's the longest-term bond we're gonna do, and we're gonna do a maximum return on that bond of fifteen percent or whatever the market decides, right? Um, but if, if we start going to like infinite, I think it's gonna, I think it gets very strange very quickly. Because then, how, how how does the community Actually, pull that back um, in? How does the community stop that? If you go into an infinite bond, you've got a guaranteed return forever. You can't 
come out of that. And it's like the community needs a way to pull to pull the to restrict the supply of money in, in time in, in the right time. Actually, Matt, I'm going to disagree, and and I'm going to follow up with Addicted on that because I I think he brings up a valid point, and you could do something like that where you have a permanent bond and and just make up whatever numbers you want. And what if they're funded in a mechanism, not where it pulls in investment, you know, exactly what you're saying, Matt, is where you pull an investment. But what if you had a, a certain percentage, and I'll just make something up. I mean, there's other ways of, of doing this. But let's say there were suddenly transaction fees on the internal exchange. And those transaction fees ended up taking HBD and locking it up into this permanent liquidity pool that Addicted is talking about. And that creates a percentage of per a certain amount of payout each year that then can be used for another use case for community driven initiatives. So there could be some utility that we could design around this uh, that I don't think it should be just, oh, well, we're going to blanketly discount this idea because I think it's an idea that we could go down avenues and find or create specific I mean, use we, cases we, we, for. But I think we all just agreed that it has to be variable APR. It well, can't that's, be it like can't be infinite then. APR. You can't have an infinite. You, you got it. Yeah, it has to be, var- it has it has to be, be variable. variable by term and by, by APR. But uh, coming back to what you were saying there, Tass, that sounds very similar to the SIP. Right? The SIPs, the whole point of the SIP is there's the SIPs providing a service back to the community. So people are going to pay for that service and, and the, the payments aren't going to anyone but the SIP, which is an autonomous uh, DeFi pool. And so it can have this, you know, theoretical um, permanent liquidity there that, that no one can take out because it was paid in um, for a service. But then the point there is that there's a there's a effectively a business model. Or there's a payment provision for a service. There's like a sustainable demand. As long as there's a sustainable demand for that service, the payments will go in. Um, the, what you're saying is just to pay out. It's just to pay out. I mean, you, okay, there's some value in locking in permanently, I guess, but. Mm. Well, for example, just off the top of my head, what if you use the APR that comes from that? And, and I do agree that could be variable. It could be set by the, the, the witnesses. But what if you had that APR to pay the witnesses? And now you take the inflation and you push the witness inflation or a portion of it elsewhere into the ecosystem, yeah, but, just, just as an idea. Yeah. But that, that, I mean, that's what we're arguing for the SIP, ultimately. But there's a payment going in. And then the fees that that pool generate go to pay the infrastructure providers, i.e. the witnesses or whoever those infrastructure providers are. Um, if you take in a pool where you just lock in and, and pay the witnesses from that, you, shouldn't you just pay the witnesses from the, from the main inflation anyway? It's an, it's an interesting well, you. Any any thoughts from you? Any other items from you, Addicted? Or any, do you want to? Uh, I did want to mention one other thing. Um, the whole hedge fund scenario of uh, buying as much HBD as you want. Mm-hmm. Um, one small uh, thing of note that I was thinking of was the um, the price feed. Mm-hmm. So if a hedge fund came in and did that, and and the witnesses saw it as a money attack. They could just say that that Hive is a lower number than it is. So say a hedge fund comes in and jacks up the price like X10, mm. uh, buys a bunch of HBD. Well, the witnesses, they could just decide, hey, 
no, we're not going to let that happen. And we're going to say that the price of Hive is actually 30 cents. And then when the, the protocol goes to, you know, use the collateral, <laughs> it just takes all the collateral. It's but look, like, wouldn't, no, that, wouldn't that send the price of, of Hive to zero? I mean, I'd be, I'd be gone at um, that point. <laughs> I mean, you're, yeah, you're basically saying we'd lose reputation. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd just, I'd just close not, up three speak and leave. Yeah, just be like, yeah, we're, that's that's not happening. I'm just saying, like, um, it's a possibility that a hedge fund might think of. It's not mm. necessarily something that we would it's actually a do. It's a risk, right? I, yeah, I mean, you're ultimately putting the trust in these these 20 people. I'm just trying to say that the, the price feed is really yeah. important. It's like the one Oracle thing that yeah. Hive does that like actually has a lot of effects everywhere, especially with HPD. Yeah, it's an interesting point. It's certainly something that you'd have to, if, if a hedge fund was to get involved, they'd have to be made clear of that. Maybe it would put them off. But th this, is, this is where it comes back to like what Task is saying, where the more utility, the more um, benefits there are to holding and using HBD, and being able to then go speculate with it and things like that, the, the less questions like that a hedge fund's going to ask. They're going to be like, well, I'm not interested in this. I want to get in. I, we need to get in now. You know, we need, uh, I think that's, that's what's going to drive it ultimately, is if we've got enough utility for HBD, then hedge funds are going to want get to get, get into it in large numbers. Um, and, and they're going to be like, yeah, we'll, we'll trust the top 20. Let's go. You know? But maybe, yeah, it's, it's ultimately... If it were to, if Hive were to remain as it is now, then yeah, I mean, possibly it's a risk factor that hedge funds wouldn't want to be interested in. So I'd, I'd be interested, Dick, to just just while we're talking, um, do you do you agree with the principle of limiting the counterparty risk to lower inflation rates for HBD on the base layer and putting you know, if you want higher returns, put them onto the layer, layer two and more speculative items. Um, I'm unconvinced that that, that 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 will lower risk. Like, but I don't know. I'd like to see some numbers on it. We haven't really tested it. Mm -hmm. It's just hard to say. Like, economics is just this game of, like, guessing. So we're just all, like sitting here guessing and it's like well, we don't we don't well, really let, know so let's say let's say then we leave it as it is right and we have like a 20 percent apr for a one-year lockup for argument's sake i feel like a lot of people kind of are gathering around that number um i think one year is good because the entire cycle is four years mm. you know so we have a one-year bear market a year is probably pretty good to get mm -hmm. us through that so then let's say it's 20 percent. then what you what you would argue is then you could take that bond and use it as collateral to get with speculators to get 30 or 40%, right? So you could go and take that and put it into a Leo Finance liquidity pool, for example. Um, my argument is I'd want to see that more like an average of 12 or 8% in order to de-remove risk from the base layer. And then if you want to go get your higher returns, you can put it into a liquidity pool or some other speculative method to get your 20 to 40% return. Now, I don't have any numbers back in that, but I feel that in principle, that's the right way to go about it. Yeah, I really don't know. Like, I just have to think about mm -hmm. it more, I think, because yeah. it's kind of complicated, all this stuff, like economics all at the same time. It's just all these unknown variables where, like, like I said, it's a guessing game. Like, I'm definitely open to, like, changing things but up, but there's also a lot of value and just you know not changing it and being like 
you you all said that we were going to implode from unsustainability and the debt ratio is still five percent and we're still at 20 percent apr mm. on the on our debt like you know we it, it was like you gotta admit that it's crazy how hard we crushed like usd and Luna. yeah like every every protocol that that offered 20 percent, we crushed yeah. all of them and nobody gives no. us any credit and it's like really are you serious we've been just and then people are calling us a scam now and it's like well, none of the numbers show that any of this is yeah. scammy. Like, yeah. it's, it's certainly all well under control. Crazy. I mean, for sure, the numbers show that we are well within the debt limit. There's no issues, right? Um, I, and I, I think as well, you know, like you look at a lot of these other stable coins and, and the, way that they've been, the way that they're structured and things, it just makes no sense whatsoever in my view. I think the capital controls that we have on Hive, and as long as like Tass saying, we bring more utility in, everything's there. All the ingredients are there. I think we can expand the market cap of Hive of, of HBD significantly. There's a question for you: How would you expand the market cap of HBD? Would you do you agree with what Task and I have been saying in regards to it being a hedge fund that comes in or some big investor that comes in and uses the internal conversion mechanism? Or what would be another way? Well, um, let's see. Marky told me that the uh, the stabilizer fund basically acts as a deflation conversion mm. mechanism mm. it acts as a conversion sure. mechanism so we don't actually have to like as long as there's not too much coming in all at the same time the the stabilizer handles all that we don't even have to like because the conversion only happens if it's one dollar and five cents mm. or higher which hasn't happened in a really long time right it hasn't like over a year mm -hmm. so it's actually all that money is going through the stabilizer but, but and but the stabilizer chart. can't handle a hundred million dollars worth of liquidity. Oh no, definitely right. not. Like, but I mean, and it shouldn't. It shouldn't know, do. I don't think. I think it's good that it just it's just enough for normal people to get in and out. It's a nice. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we kind of solved it with the whole conversions. That's conversions allow infinite HPD to get mm -hmm. generated. Like, seems like a pretty good. I, I'm just worried about the debt ratio. Like, if some big entity comes in here and buys a bunch of our debt it's going to jack up the debt ratio and assume the price doesn't go up no the price will go up but what's going to happen is the price is going to go up and then it's going to become volatile it's going to come back down and then and then our debt ratio is going to be all over the place and it's going to be really bad if we get to like 30 percent debt ratio and we're in like a bull market that's yeah. like the worst thing that could possibly happen like and then and then we're sitting there thinking okay well we either have to increase the the haircut to like let people make more hbd or we have to like pop the bubble ourselves that's like a really hard decision to make and i i've seen the greed in crypto and i know that nobody's going to pop the bubble. no one's going to vote to pop the bubble i might not even vote to pop the bubble i might just be like i can trade around See, this. My, my argument is though is that hive is so scarce that if you want to put $100 million into HBD, you've got to have Hive at 20x the debt limit. So when it comes back down, it won't even come close to the debt limit. What's that? My, my argument with this whole thing is that if you want to have $100 million in HBD, the Hive price will be a market cap such that it's 20 or 30 or 40x the debt limit. So when it comes when it comes yeah. down, it won't even come close to the debt limit. Yeah, I, I really have no idea how that would work out. Because um, you you try putting you try putting a hundred like 
300,000 hive, you try buying 300,000 hive off the market, you can easily pump it 5-10%. And so if you want to put $100 million into hive, I mean, it's it's just going to send the hive price to whatever it's going to be. And it, I think the debt limit's just going to be way below. Yeah, it's just, you know, if, uh, let's see, did you say 100 million? Yeah, if you uh, just for argument's sake. I mean, that's small numbers compared to what a lot of these other stable coins are dealing with. Yeah, so 100 million and... We'd we would, at, like, say Hive, say Hive was had, like, a billion-dollar market cap, so that would be, like, a 10% debt ratio. Right, right, right. So, like, yeah, as long as you can maintain that, but if it's volatile and it, you know, crashes uh, 90%, then all of a sudden... But, but it, it, it would be, in, in my argument, is it would be in the hedge fund's interest to make sure they have dry powder to buy up a lot of the... to defend a lot of the selling. Yeah, I mean, that's always a... Would course, be one of the hedges, yeah. they would make. So, I think... I, I think at that point too, though we have to start worrying about block space and um, re- resource credit, our resource credit system like not failing. Uh, mm. I think that's going to be an issue. In what in what way? Um, because you know there's like block trades. Doesn't block trades block trades controls at least like twenty million hive? Like there's a lot of people that have way more tokens than they need mm. so like theoretically we own like you know even i do i have like a quarter million coins so even i own a bunch of block space and uh i just think that um people with less tokens could get kind of cut off from the system mm. especially if the price keeps going <laughs> up like that but wouldn't wouldn't we be distributing a lot more though our votes would be worth a lot more so you'd be able to distribute a lot that's a good point, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. That's not really the main topic, mm-hmm. though. So I guess I'm getting I, going on. I, I think it's an interesting debate because, to me, I feel like HBD has got to expand at some point. We, you know, we're not we're not here to keep HBD small, and Hive as well. And it's like the chicken has to come before the egg. The Hive price has to go up in order for HBD to expand. Otherwise, you get the debt limit issue. So the question is: is how yeah. you know what? We're all working hard on building apps and building utility to make Hive more useful, to, to not, not to drive the Hive price. I'm not here to do that specifically, but that's the ultimate end result because of the resource credit mechanism that's built into the ecosystem. It's, it should, as the network effect takes you, hold, push the price of Hive up, right? Yeah. Do, do you think the haircut is too high? Do you yeah. think 30% yeah, is I too do. high? Because I, I, think, I think Dan also said that 30% might be yeah, too it's high. Yeah, too, it's too... When we get and, into um, a danger situation, I think it's too high. I think it should be more like 15 But... What happens if the market just decides that it wants more debt? There's nothing we can do about that. If the market decides it wants something, then, it, then that's what the yeah. market wants. And yeah, but my argument would be then it's the same as before, where if the market wants more debt, if the market wants more HBD, then it will go and buy Hive off the open market and push the price of Hive up to, to, to counterbalance that. Yeah. So I think that's how it gets. In. I just I just think it's weird because like just imagine if if we're at like a 30% debt ratio or whatever. And, you know, uh, HPD breaks to the upside. Like, are we going to raise the debt limit or are we just going to be like, nope, it's kind of just broken for now. Just don't worry about it. Don't buy HPD because it's too much debt. No, no, I think we're going to have to eat whatever we, whatever scenario we've made for ourselves. I, I think the real, I think the real issue with the debt ratio is that the volatility of it, mm. like we don't want it to go from 5% to 20% to 5%. Mm. Like, if it stays in a small range, then we can think about increasing it. 
I think we could, I, th I think we could increase the debt ratio all, all the way to like a hundred percent because the, um, the fractional reserve banking system is like a thousand percent debt ratio, like 2000%. Well, it's, it's, it's an interesting I mean? point because you know, when, when you review stocks, right, one of the things that you look for is for a healthy business is does it have a 30% debt ratio? Is it debt, is it debt to profit 30% or more? If it is, it's good because it means they're actually using their, they're using their capital and redeploying it to develop, you know, in theory to develop the company. Um, so it's an interesting point that it comes back to this 30% number because that is the standard in, in with, if you're looking at a healthy company. Um, is that that's right? That's my understanding of having invested in stocks for years. Oh, okay. Um, is that why we increased it to 30%? I don't think it's the reason why we, I think it's just coincidental. Um, but it's like, yeah, the question is, if, you, if you've got a market cap, what are you doing with that market cap to go into debt such that you can redeploy capital and increase what you're doing? And, and the general ratio that's accepted as healthy is 30%. Um, so it's an interesting point. I, I, st I still can't bring myself, I, I prefer it to be more like 20 or 15%. I just feel like we should, we should err on I the side I would of caution. Too, but I, I don't think we get to decide. And I think the, the true um, metric of, of health is... Uh, low volatility rather than what the mm, number yeah, is. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, if we get through an entire four-year cycle and the range stays between like five and ten percent, mm -hmm. it's pretty. It's pretty awesome. Or if it stays, even if it's just stays in between, um, you know, fifteen and twenty percent, like that's high. But if it doesn't get worse or better, it just stays there. Then it's like you know, it's even. It's even yeah. keel. I also feel like the price volatility is a thing as well because it's obviously the price that touches, pushes us to the debt limit. And if you can get a lower volatility price by having more utility and all this type of stuff, then um, you, you can probably play with the debt limit a lot more as well because you've got more confidence that the price isn't going to yeah. come down to that level. That's, that's why I'm interested in the bonds mm. thing because I'm like, oh, well, if I think we can use the bonds stuff to lower the volatility yeah. of Hive. Yeah. And I think the volatility of Hive is like a really... A really big deal yep. sometimes it, like you know it, it, like how many people just get crushed during the bear market and they're just like you know what never again i'm never i'm never touching right. crypto with a 10-foot pole ever right. again and it's just like oh it's so bad and you know part of that is the, the it's the intrinsic price of hive so like one of the things that i think is important is that apps are locking up hive to provide free field experiences for their users and that makes a, a an intrinsic value to the hive price i.e three speak will never sell its hive because if it does it 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 stops existing as an app, basically. We can't fund our app. And the same for all of these other ecosystems where they're locking up Hive to get access to the database to compete for resources. And so it's like we need more of that. It's like we need more. And th that, that's the same thing with HBD. If you're locking HBD into a bond, you're effectively doing the same thing. And so you're creating a, an intrinsic value of the Hive ecosystem of people that will not sell their, their Hive at any price because they can't continue their operations if they do. And the, the bondholders are, are the epitome of that because they're locked in for a certain period of time. So they, they cannot sell their hive at any price, regardless of what the price is within that time period. And that represents an intrinsic value to the hive price, which should create stability over time. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Exciting times. I, I, hope, I hope we, as a community, I mean, resources, resources, right? But I hope we start experimenting with the layer two bond system fairly soon um regardless of whether the bond system on layer one is in place so you know can you 
figure out a way to um, put a put put some keys in a, in a in an escrow account that give you access to those HBD or to give you access to those that HBD bond, and then use a system to create an NFT from that action on layer two, and then use that to go uh, provide collateral to get loans. Um, yeah, I, I think it's really important to prototype yeah. stuff on second yeah. layer, but it's just like it's always that. You know that thing like we need more devs we always need more devs it's like never we never have enough it's just yeah well i'm thinking with, with like dan was saying earlier with the um the bond system i mean it's not just as simple as this but it, it is changing the 3.5 day to, to to a 365 day um and then the layer two could be built already before that even happens you know and then it's like once it's in place we could start actually well we won't be able to use it straight away we'll have to test it but Rather than wait until the bond system's in place on layer one and then building the layer two utilities, I feel like we're missing out on valuable time here. So I'd, I'd like to see the community work on. Yeah, that. it's the only problem with it is that it, it's it's one of those uh, use cases that would like take you ten years if you wanted to fully test it. It's like no, we don't have ten years. Like yeah, no, <laughs> ten years is an entire lifetime in crypto. We won't be testing for ten years, I think. Um, and that, that's interesting as well because it's like. You don't want floods of money coming in straight away. You know, you, you want to kind of... This is one of the things I like with Steve Tross's idea of having a bond system where, you know, you maybe sell a 10000 a month and then 20000 a month and then move up to fifty and 100000 a month until you get to a point where you've got the utility building at the same time as the demand's coming in. And so people start to realize, oh, there's, there's utility here. We can actually make money off these bonds. And then, then the flood comes in. But by that time, you've had time to slowly ramp it up. And... Um, test it and everything like that without risking too much money. Cool. Um, all right. I'm going to go on to someone else here. I see Lewis M's got his hand up. Um, and I want to try and start drawing this to an end um, at some point. So if anyone else has got anything to say, please, please speak up. I have some questions. Oh, no. <laughs> I hope they're nice questions. Um... Yes, yes. Can you yep. all hear me? Uh, I have some questions. Uh, what if we reduce the time of conversion between Hive and HPD? Well, what will be the consequences? Well, the, the whole point of the three and a half days is that there is a... Um, preventative mechanism for a speculative attack to do it all in one go. So if, you, if you're going to do a big short on Hive in the same way that happened on Luna, um, then when you have to wait for three and a half days, the community themselves could get together and buy the token up and ruin your short position, right? And so it's, waiting that three and a half days, is it's a risky thing to do. However, having said that, I, I do believe that on the flip side, um, you can remove that three and a half days by buying a large amount of hive every day for a period of days for like a hundred days or something. Because once you start, once you get past the first three and a half days, it's like an, it's an auto conversion. So you could argue, you could do the same thing on the other side and, uh, sell slowly build a short position over time and sell HBD into the market, um, on a daily basis, um, and effectively remove the three and a half day um, conversion. But I just think it's, it's just an initial, it's an initial deterrence. Um, a really sophisticated shorter could probably do something 
about it that kind of renders the three and a half day thing ineffective. Um, but it certainly discourages that behavior, which I think is a good thing. What do you think? Do you think it should what be removed someone's... to like a day or, or no, no weight at all, instant conversion? What if someone creates a DEX with instant conversions, like a swap between Haifa and HBD, and that people start using that platform and avoid using the three point three yeah. and a half days? Yeah, that, that's entirely possible. And um, I, I know that Eric and Leo Finance side of things has, has built solutions to that already on different chains. The difference is, is that you eventually, if you're doing it on a separate layer, you eventually run out of tokens. You run out of liquidity, whereas on the internal mechanism, it's it's infinite. So that's why the three and a half day mechanism is there. Because you don't want people taking out infinite amounts of leverage to short your token, basically. That's true. Uh, on the other hand, I want to use, I have an idea or building a platform for buying and selling goods and services, paying with HBD using a subscription model. That will be useful for incrementing the use of HBD or the supply of HBD. Gather all the, the shops that assess HBD and non-hive people start using that that platform yeah i mean I, th I think there is something like that going on i forget who's building it shame on me but someone you can go and put the coordinates of a hive shop so any shop or any physical shop or any digital shop that's um accepting hbd you can you can enter it into a website somewhere i don't know maybe if someone in the room can remember the name of it i think it's a venezuelan initiative um where you just I would like to start in Venezuela. Yeah, it's, it's, it's already there. Uh, there's definitely a map you can go to and you can see all the hive shops around the world. Um, and that would be the foundational basis of what you're talking about, I think. And also add the pay, paying installments or deferred payments that people can buy expensive things with less money, um, giving collateral or other thing that... Well, um, incentiv incentivize people buying using mm -hmm, HPT. Mm -hmm. Yep. That will be a good idea yeah, I, or could be dangerous for the platform, for the high blockchain. No, I fully agree. No, I think this comes back to um, Ruben's idea of being able to delegate HPD rewards because at a certain point, if you delegate me enough rewards, I'm going to give you free things. You know, so there's a whole, if you take it to its extreme, that's where it goes to. It's like, you know, if, you, if you're going to be able to pay me a certain amount of money and I can then stake that for a 20% return, then at a certain point, I'm going to, you know, if you pay me enough, I'm going to give you things for free, right? If you give me enough APR return. So, yeah, there's definitely a use case for that, in my opinion. And it's a whole new paradigm of buying things um, that I don't think has really been explored yet. Thanks for your answers. And one last question. Uh, currently, we can delegate the HBD rewards or the ABD, HBD stake uh, coins. Can we delegate that? Yeah, we can only, right we can only delegate Hive at the moment. But 
Ruben Kress has been one of the spearheads for the idea of delegating HPD rewards. Okay. Thank we think you. it's possible. We don't see why it shouldn't be in implemented. So, something that I think the community will work on over time. Um, okay. Well, I think that's all. Yeah, Thanks. appreciate it, Lewis. Um, if there's any other questions from anyone else or any, any other points that people want to make, uh, maybe we can go around the, around the room one more time before we close. I, I do want to read a couple of comments as well because people have been so active on the Leo thread. I, I had sure. a question. Do you know how the, um, the APR gets set? Because it's like the median, right? But we only have 20, so there's no, <laughs> there's no person in the middle. Like, so it looks like there's like t 10 or 11 people voting for 20%. Yeah. Like it looks like only like maybe one or two witnesses would have to like change their right. Their but then, vote but then like... what what number gets chosen after that? <laughs> it, it would it would be uh, nineteen by guilty party. It'd be nineteen, and there, there more than one people doing nineteen. Are there? Uh, there's one person doing nineteen, and then Gandalf is doing seventeen. So it would move to the next lowest one down, would it? Yeah, I'm just wondering how that works because there's not one in the middle. So yeah. I'm like, how does how does the median get chosen if there's twenty? even witnesses <laughs> i don't know the answer to that it's probably one probably a question yeah. for archangel he seems to know all of the inner workings of the blockchain and the calculations indeed don't the witnesses first have to come to a consensus and then the decision is being locked and the next decision needs to be needs to reach consensus and then then that thing is gonna be locked isn't it like that God, that sounds like a chaos sounds like a uh, moment of chaos because if we can't all agree on a price and people start getting voted out of the witnesses because they're not selecting the right median to create a median, I don't, I don't know. It's a good question. I think that's one of the reasons that people started putting like 19.97 in their, in their uh, APR because it's going to be hard to create a median from that. Someone is giving away their birth year. <laughs> <laughs> 1997. Oh god, mine has to be a lot lower than that then. Um, yeah, I don't know the answer. I don't know the answer, honestly. Maybe someone can help if anyone in the room knows. Be interested to know. Um, all right, let's read a couple of comments here from the top. Again, if anyone wants to submit a thumbnail for the show, we'll give you a nice vote if it's the winning thumbnail. Uh, Bitcoin main. Bitcoin man says this ship been getting heavy. Some serious talks. These are great conversations, though, man. These are great. You know, like the, the great thing about this is that as you hear these conversations, you articulate them and you hear the other side. You know, you change your views on things. They change their views, and ultimately, that's what free speech is about, isn't it? Um, Ijat says, "Do you envision a way for HBD transactions to essentially replace the Lightning Network? The progress, the use of BTC has made here in El Salvador." are mainly based on the Lightning Network. Yeah, I do. One of the reasons I wanted to go to Guatemala is because it's next door. And wouldn't it be great to have HBD transactions bouncing around right next door where the people can get injections of capital from a neutral chain instead of from having to work for a Bitcoiner? So the, the problem I've got with the Bitcoin side of things is, and the Lightning side of things is, you know, if you want to use it, you've got to go work for a Bitcoiner. That's what they always say. Or do mining or do speculation but those aren't very profitable these days for most people so you got to work for bitcoin and then it's like well what what are you doing for that bitcoin i guess you're adding value to whatever they're doing so they're gaining value from your work and does that create enough social mobility i don't think so 
I don't think Bitcoin's adequately addressed this issue. It's like an elephant in the room for me. Um, they just get they're just busy getting rich, right? For now. Um, but if your chain can't allow people to do community activities and rise through the social ranks, um, I think it's got a massive problem, and I don't think Bitcoin addresses that. Um, so, yeah, I just think something like Hive in Guatemala next door, um, people like Alex Rourke, people like Bookcoins are starting to do serious things over there. Alex Rourke's got an amazing um, studio, recording studio over there that anyone can go past from Hive and go record some podcasts with him. He then has local businesses nearby that accept Hive and Lightning. And so if he can get some injection of capital through upvotes of content that people make there, and one of his ideas was to any any band that's recording, he'll write their introduction posts and then make sure those funds go to those bands. And then the next time they come, they're going to have some liquid hive they can go spend in the local restaurants around the recording studio. This is a great showcase for hive. Um, Bookcoins has got an amazing hostel. Bookcoins, we're going to have to change his name to Brian of the Lake because Bookcoins isn't adequate for what he's doing. He's a very serious guy actually, and having stayed out there, he's got an amazing hostel. It's got like sixty-five beds. It's a big operation. It's much bigger than, you know, it's, when you say, oh, I've got a hostel, you think, oh, it's cookie beds. No, this, this guy is like extreme hosteling in a beautiful location on the lake there in Guatemala and Lake Atalan. And, um, yeah, I mean, he's going to try and start doing hive events. He's going to invite people over to do hackathons and testing systems because all the businesses around him accept hive and lightning. And so we've got a real opportunity there to create little hive ecosystems. Um, and I just think it would be wonderful if we could get those into some of the border towns next to next to um, Guatemala, uh, sorry, next to El Salvador, and see see what happens, because one system's got a way to inject capital into the community for doing things for the community, and one system's got a way that you've got to work for a Bitcoin oligarch. Well, I'll tell you which one I find more attractive. I think it would be cool to see that bouncing around El Salvador, or at least next door to it. Um, Tunica says, taking notes, because this discussion needs to have place within the Hispanic community, and every other that's not English speaker, and then all peak point of view brought together. And we need to educate ourselves more a lot. I barely can keep up with, I understand the explanations, but need more education to form my own opinions beyond just other user experience. Yeah, totally agree. You know, I mean, Dan and I and the other speakers in this room are just guys, um, you know, we've got a fair bit of experience on these chains over the years. We've, we've spent a long time talking about them. So we know some things, but we certainly don't, don't, don't know everything. And, I just think it's really cool that people like you, Tunica, can listen to this and maybe pick up a few things, make up your own mind, and spread your thoughts through the Venezuelan community that may, where maybe we can't reach, you know, so so easily. And it's important to have these discussions in the Venezuelan community as well, you know, for sure. All right, I'll do a couple more comments. Dan, I don't know if you want to read any comments. I've been trying to charge my phone, but this Twitter space is, is too fast. So I'm like on my last bar. Ah, you're holding on by your fingertips. This is one of the longer longer podcasts we've had. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's been a good one. Um, Alex Rourke says, uh, I don't know any hedge funds, Matt, but I'm, so I'm not going to steal your idea. <laughs> this, I, mean, I, I was, I was going to work on this on my own and just do it with a hedge fund and then take, take a profit for myself, but... I've got so much other stuff going on that I'm just I'm probably not going to get around to doing it. And I'm like, anyone that knows Ed from out there who wants to pitch it, this is open on Hive to do, as far as I can tell. Um, but I also feel like what Taskmaster was saying was, was is, is the better way to do it, where it's like, we build utility and these hedge funds are going to come in organically without us having to do any 
pitches or deals with them. They're going to need to have HPD. The idea is we've got to build stuff where people need to have HPD, otherwise they're losing out. Right? And that's what we have the opportunity to do. Um, hello, Head, with the amazing radio voice. Says, Ruben Cress on the Twitter spaces asks, can we have a mechanism to delegate the APR? Oh, he's just documenting the, um, the discussion. Yeah, for sure. I completely support that. Um, JZA makes an interesting point, which I think is definitely possible in Venezuela. And if um, Tunica is still listening and other people from Venezuela, he says, I think the Venezuelans could partner with co-working spaces to have face-to-face, -face, more face-to-face -face events and also provide devs with the environment to do technical meetups. So Caracas Blockchain Week was set up exactly like that. It was done in a, a co-working space. Um, at least the hackathon, hackathon side of it was, and then the meetings happened afterwards, like the, the main conference happened afterwards. But the, the hackathon was amazing because it was in this co-working space. There was devs walking all over the place. It was really amazing. There was a radio station there reporting everything that was going on. Um, great opportunity to, to put some money into these spaces. Um, Dan and I are currently speaking to people in Kumana, in um, Sucre, to see if we can rent out a couple of um, accommodations for people put groups of people in um, and then see if we can start generating some value there and then of course they live do rent these places right next to Hive Street Hive Street is a place in Kumana in Venezuela where every single shop accepts HBD and then we can really showcase the injection of capital via upvotes the value being created by various services that can be done by these people and then showcase them going to uh, the local shops right around the corner from the house and spending the HBD um, so I'd like to see more of that. Um, if there's any way for us to get involved in workspaces and actually renting out workspaces to work, work together in places like Caracas, I'd be very interested in that. And anyone in Venezuela that wants to pitch that to us and give us some prices, I'd certainly be interested in seeing how we can support that. Um, you get a little bit of a buzz. I don't know if it's my phone or... Uh, you know what? I might have been slide. leaning on my mic. <laughs> I might have been leaning on the jack. Whatever you did is right. better now. That's good. Well, I think that's all. Uh, again, I want to remind anyone, if you submit some thumbnails for the show, we've got a few submittals already, but if you submit any, we'll be giving them a nice up votes, and um, maybe the winner will end up as the, the thumbnail for the show, some credits for it. Um, so, yeah, that's all I've got, I think. Um, let's just go around the table one more time. Dan? Oh, great talk about all kinds of things. Um, I think we've really gotten to the bottom of the HVD and a lot of people are pretty much have the same vision, and we'll see how it plays out. But yeah, thanks for everyone. So many different speakers this week. Yeah, so cool. Um, Taskmaster, any final thoughts from you? Is he still there? Nope. Just a great session, great show. Uh, it's good to talk these topics out, get different ideas, get the opinions out there, and then we can take it to the chain, write articles, and see if we can push things forward a little bit more. Exactly. Yeah, good having you on task. Appreciate it. Addicted, any thoughts from you? Uh, no, just thanks for having me on. You know, I'm trying to put myself out there more. Uh, I guess it's time for me to be like full-time hive, like take it seriously. So here I am. Yeah, no, it's good to have you on, man. And uh, yeah, I don't know whether I'm happy or sad about hearing your voice. You've got a nice voice, though. You sound like a nice guy. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> the, the, the infamous addicted is now revealed one more layer, you know, and it's like, oh, I'm not sure if I, if I, if I'm, if I like that or not. I like the old, I like the old addicted a little bit as well. 
another dogs. <laughs> another dogs. But um, no, no, really good to have you talking, and I look forward to hearing your ideas because I, I always, I know, I know many people in this room read your blogs and um, are always interested in your ideas and your takes on things. Um, so yeah, looking forward to hearing you on more spaces and more interviews. Yeah, I'll be here. Appreciate it, man. Ruben, any final thoughts from you? Ah, no, man. Thanks for having me. I just wanted to to uh, to shield uh, the delegated uh, hive uh, back dollars, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shield it, man. I think it's a great idea. I don't see anyone disagreeing with it. All right, man. Yeah, that's let's make it to reality, man. <laughs> shield it to reality. Cheers, dude. <laughs> yeah. Right. Nice one, Cheers, dude. Cheers, Bitcoin man. Any news? Any thoughts from you? He's probably dropped off. No, I'm good. No, no, I'm still here. All right. All good. Thanks for coming on the show. Lewis? Yeah, it was awesome. You all did I great. I appreciate it, man. Great points. appreciate it. Lewis, anything from you, sir? I would like to say it was such a great talk. We learned a lot how many uh, some ideas to improve the HBD supply. And it was so interesting to hear all the points. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for your questions at the end there as well. Appreciate it. Um, and I, I know Eric has dropped off, but he was a speaker. So you're welcome to come back on and just say a final word. And the other one is Jago's in the room. And Jago's got a little bit famous recently for his, uh, um, what is it, B-Pay? B-Pay and HBD video that was done in at Highfest here by Raf. Kuznitsky, who is uh, also known as My New Life. That is a fantastic piece of advertising, man. So congrats on that, uh, Jago. I hope it goes well, and I'm looking forward to seeing more of that video bouncing around the internet. Especially when we can just, like, tag Jameson Lop and just send him the video, you know. That's going to be the way. Someone did mention, though, um, on that video, that it'd be good if they had Jago writing a blog, earning some HBD, and then going and spending it. So maybe there's a part two to that somewhere, Jago, where you and Rafa meet up again. But all good. All right, that's it from me. I could talk another five hours about various things on Hive, but I think we've got to call it quits at some point. Uh, <laughs> so, I have one last oh, question. Yeah? Do you want Lop's Hive account? Oh, you're it. the one that's got it. I did check. I checked to see if it was taken already. I was like, oh, sorry, Lop, it's taken. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, I offered it to him and he he didn't get back uh, to me. Unsurprisingly, should we just should we just like yeah. do loads of videos of Lop spending HBD? <laughs> we could. I was thinking we'll we'll uh, hand out the private key, uh, the posting key, and we'll just all post as Lop. <laughs> oh, make him say be, things. That could be really nice, couldn't it? Put his put his picture up. Well, the question is, so I, Dan and I have got. We, as time goes on, we're getting issues with more and more of these Bitcoiners and these crypto influencers because it's like at some point you've got to recognize hives that right at some point you've got to start saying something you can't keep using all these vc back chains and you can't keep saying that kyc lightning network's okay it's a good solution yeah. you know i mean vitalik gave us a shout out during the hostile takeover i was like oh okay this is it everyone's gonna know right, who we right. are no, like, no no and it, it... addicted the... go oh, on sorry addicted do you, do you do you have a slogan for for the the lop account like how do you love me now? Oh, I think I'm going to hire you for that, sir. Yeah, because I'm, I'm trying to figure out if it's if the right strategy is to go after these people and like 
criticize them publicly or whether it's there's a way that we can help them and bring them on because you, you don't want to alienate them necessarily but at the same time if you do start giving the posting key away and everyone starts posting as lock then it's it's not going to help it's not going to be endeared to us but maybe that's a good thing i don't know what do you think addicted i think people are always shocked that like you that the that it's even possible to do something like that on Hive. Like, oh yeah, I could just give my posting key out. It doesn't matter, I'll just change it. They're like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, I can recover my account if the owner key gets stolen too. Like, I mean, you... well, you can't do that on your chain? Like, no, you can't. <laughs> I guess if, if the content starts getting too bad, you can always re withdraw the posting key. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, uh, keep me posted on what you decide to do with that. Because we could definitely do with people posting as, as LOP, spending HBD. That would be hilarious. All right. With that, I'm going to call an end to the show. Appreciate you all being here. Thank you very much. And it was a very useful conversation. Um, and we'll see you all next week. All the best. Are we going to have an after party in the Free Speak Discord channel? Uh, for me, no, man. I need to go chill. My, my mind's been on overload for the last three hours. <laughs> I can feel the steam. The steam's coming oh. out my ears. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shit. That's been three hours already. Nice, man. All right. All right. See you all. See you next time.